fuckers, and welcome back to The Lost. Here with me, as always, is... Okay, no, to be fair, I'm not gonna, like, cop off on cyborg shit. It is We're not me. allowed to use the words as always. It Those is not. Completely off-limits. It's a registered trademark of Cyborg and the Nethercast. I am Shad, he is Razor, and we are here to bitch about continuity because we love Mortal Kombat and its story oh so very much. We love it. Even though it hurts us. We don't know why we do. It's 2018. We're <laughs> we're we're in our thirties. Logically we should have better it, shit to do with our time. It comes home drunk and it hits us, but we can change him. <laughs> I I'm drinking right now. We are here tonight to discuss the second in our Lost Rebirth series of characters. We are here to discuss one Mr. Shang Sung by popular demand. Yep, we did Liu Kang, and now we're doing his arch-nemesis. It seemed appropriate. For those of you keeping track out there, it's going to be a trend. We're going to be covering a lot of MK1 characters, I think, before we feel comfortable to move on to the MK2 period. I just enjoy the chronological order. That's me, personally. There's something <laughs> satisfying about it, and yes, I'm, I'm right with you on that. And there are, there are some characters, to be very fair, from MK2 onward that I, I don't feel like I have a lot to say about. Like... When we speak to our Baraka episode, it's probably going to be like a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. <laughs> For tonight, Shang Tsung, I think we can get at least like a solid hour, maybe an hour and a half out of him. Who knows? We'll see. Right. So, where do you want to start? I mean, do we want to go to this chronologically or timeline-wise? I mean, what I do guess, we want to do? I guess we should start just at the beginning because it'll also... A lot, right. a lot of what we talk about isn't just the characters themselves, but the way we've reacted to the characters as yes. they've changed and grown or been retconned or however it happened over each game. So the thing that's always kind of interested me about Shang is how, like, fuzzy his origins were, like, in the early games. Because... So just to look at, like, the, the plot of MK1 before you really knew anything about Outworld, he just seems like a really old Chinese guy yeah. who happens to, like, worship this, uh, some sort of foreign gods in some demon realm who want him to control this tournament and, and steal souls. And, and they call him a demon sorcerer a lot in, like, MK1 and 2 stuff. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Is he a, is he a demon, or is he like a sorcerer who uses magic from demons? What does the phrase "demon sorcerer" actually mean? And and the the most interesting interpretation of that, I think, is the Jeff Rovin novel, which yes. the point of view of that novel is that everyone from Outworld, like Outworld, is actually like a spirit realm, like hell. And when and when someone comes to Earth, they get a flesh form. So Shang Tsung is a demon, but he's, like, possessed a guy named Shang Tsung. Right. Sort of. Now, as I remember, the Jeff Rovin MK novel was also kind of quasi-Lovecraftian in the way that it depicted Outworld as being this realm, or at least Shao Kahn's castle, as this place where the laws of physics didn't really apply sometimes, and corridors that seemed to be sloping downward are actually sloping up, and... The thing that struck me about that was how much of the novel was dedicated to Shang Tsung specifically. It felt like a good yeah, third it's... of the novel was from Shang's perspective. 
like a big chunk of that novel is just Shang Tsung's origin story. Like it's yeah. set in the ancient past of like the era of him and the era of Great Kung Lao. And he's like, he's like Great Kung Lao's cousin or something. It, like uncle, right. I think. Yeah, he's like his he's uncle. Like his that was uncle. it. His his half brother was a fisherman who was the brother of this guy, and one of them was a tax collector, and the tax collector <laughs> drowned. I specifically remember the term tax collector being prominent yes, in Shang's origin is, story. No, no, wait, it no. Is Shang. Very similar to a lot of like old Chinese texts that I've read in like history class. It was Shang. Shang love, was the tax collector. I remember the, that now. Like, Chinese myths and legends love stories about, like, po politics and bureaucracy <laughs> and, like, political figures and tax collectors and, like, governors and senators. They knew being, who like, had the real Characters power. in their stories. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, just all these, like, city officials are always, like, the main character or the main villain. <laughs> to be very fair about it, I can think of no one better, a few people better suited, rather, to live under the oppressive thumb of a alien soul-sucking dictator than a former disenchanted tax collector. Yeah. It I think that's what really sold me on it. Was like the origin was just so potentially bitter and disenchanted enough in Jeff Rovin's MK novel yeah. to work as an origin for the character, yeah. And it's like it's interesting. There's like a whole like his path of discovery that oh, I'm actually a demon who was sent here from mm -hmm. another realm to take it over. Because he forgets. Just, I just thought I was a human because I've been living in this human body and I got amnesia when I crossed over. <laughs> and like his moment of discovery ties in with him sailing to and finding his island. Yep. And yep. it's like it's it's really the only thing that's ever bothered to give the island a, its own backstory. <laughs> To be really honest, people, I think the Jeff Rovin novel doesn't get enough credit. I had a lot of fun reading and rereading that thing there's, over and there's over. Some goofy, there's some goofy shit in it, like how Liu Kang gets powers. <laughs> the goofiest thing in that novel is, like, the last sentence. Yes, Ruthay, <laughs> I look forward to such a Mortal Kombat 2. <laughs> Son of a what are you bitch, saying? man! We're some kind of suicide squad. <laughs> like, I remember being like, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, and going, Shao Kahn would never say something remotely as stupid as this. But whatever. <laughs> They're planning a second novel, so I'll give it the credit. And the second novel never fucking showed up. No. Nope. Uh, but you know what? Okay. Seriously, I. Tonight I've had three glasses of wine. I'm feeling drunk and generous. The first person to, like, message me on Facebook or the Discord, the first person I see who messages me with interest gets my free, gets my spare copy of the Jeff Rovin MK novel. Gratis. Free. I'll pay the shipping. If you Wait, prove to me, you give copy? a shit. Do you own two of the book? Yes, I do. It's a very <laughs> strange story, but yes, I do. The first one of our listeners to message me on Facebook or the Discord and ask for it that I see first. I guess I'll flip a coin that morning or evening. You get it free. I'll pay the shipping. It's all yours. If you've never read it, I encourage people who have never read it to message me, but it is yours. It's a fun little read. It is absolutely non-canon. It is the reason why I love Evil Sub-Zero. It's all yours. Yeah, no, it is... It is goofy, but it's also got, like, this weird, like, it feels authentically like a Chinese myth. 
It does. And I, to this day, I'm actually kind of convinced that, that 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 novel is the reason that we have the one being. The whole Panku thing. Yeah, is no, all, there, the, is, there is like a proto-version of the one being in the lore it's, of that book. It's uncomfortably close to the like the origin that we have, starting with MK Armageddon and forward. I'm convinced that John Bogle and the story team read that book, and they went, you know what? Yeah, we'll use this. <laughs> The, but but I, I do need to stress, this book is not in any way canon to anything at all. <laughs> no, I have to agree with you there. Although, it's... although it is interesting, like, some of Tobias's stuff in MK2 sort of strikes the same notes. Like, obviously, some people have seen before the concept art for MK2 that was unused of Shang Tsung in, like, a demon form. Yeah. Like, he was going to actually be able to shapeshift into that mode and then I, they scrapped it for whatever reason i guess because they decided they didn't actually want to give him that backstory but there's also a moment in the official mk2 comic which was canon where um it's it's the scene where they're in the throne room and shang Tsung has just come home from the tournament of failure and shao khan's like give me one reason not to kill you and and some of the dialogue in that scene basically says that the reason Shao Kahn is able to uh, make Shang young again is because Shang has died on Earthrealm. Yep. Like, he has, he has a body in each realm or something like that. Mm. So it's more like a reincarnation is why he comes back as a young man. Which obviously isn't canon anymore, but it's interestingly along those same lines. What Cons the book was doing. Considering where they brought his storyline and his ties to Shao Kahn in uh, Armageddon, I wouldn't be surprised if they still kept that in mind as reference material. Yeah, I mean, you could technically do that still, because, like, the way the canon is now is that Shao Kahn owns Shang's soul. Yeah, Anytime Shang ever dies, Khan gets his soul, and we know that Shang has spare bodies in the flesh pits that if Khan wanted to bring Shang back, he could just stick the soul in one of those bodies. He's pretty much an actual living soul form lapdog. Shang Tsung <laughs> cannot die as long as Shao Kahn exists. Kind of a free get out of jail card, really. Kind of. Not so useful in the new timeline where Shao Kahn is dead, but... <laughs> We're gonna get to the new timeline. Yeah. And, and yeah. then you're gonna hear me say a lot of things as I drink this wine about Shang Tsung, and... Many of them but will not be pleasant. I do, I do think, I do think we've kind of lost something in that the current canon doesn't call him a demon sorcerer anymore. Oh, we not lost... because I think he should be a demon, but I think that you could write a story about how using black magic has transformed him from a human into something demonic, and then you could give him a fatality where he does take on that monstrous form, maybe instead of like morphing into Kentaro, which was cool, but... We've lost a lot of things in regards to Shang Tsung in the new timeline, and even before that. And I'm gonna get to that. Fair enough. Short of Raiden, I honestly don't think that there's a single character that's been more abused or neglected by the current writers than See, Shang Tsung has I don't, been. I don't think I would agree with that, because I look at other characters who have had, like, severely damaging retcons to their backstories, or characters I... who have been killed off and thrown away, characters who have been... I understand that. I do. ...turned evil. Um, Shang Tsung, throughout the games that he's in, 
is remarkably consistent. Like the only things I have to complain about really are the fact that in some games his fireballs don't have skulls in them and some of his costume designs. Get that. I can see where you're coming from. But I think that Shang is alone in the fact that there has been a character who has basically supplanted his entire role in the storyline. His reason I will, for being. I will grant. We're gonna get the there. More... We're gonna get there. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. I think our listeners can already guess where we're going with this. We will. We will refer to it as the Quan Chi issue, yeah. and then we will delve deep into that issue soon. So MK... MK One Shang, we say. 15 minutes into this motherfucker. <laughs> MK1 Shang. What'd you think? I am a big fan of MK1 Shang because for starters, he fucking floats. You can't sweep him. <laughs> I love that true. shit. This is true. <laughs> I also I also like that he's wearing a sword at his hip that he never uses. Just it looks nice. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether it's like me being blind or what have you, but I don't think I ever noticed the sword at the hip until many, many years later when people found out that he had like this fatality that was unused in the code where he chopped your fucking head off. Yeah. I just well, I just saw him as like I, this I mystical you're... floating Asian <laughs> archetype of an old martial arts master demon dude. It yeah, was cool. Yeah. It was cool for what it was. I mean, I didn't, I didn't notice the sword so much when I was, like, young, but, yeah. you know, as a guy who draws the characters a lot and uh, then has to, like, look at the sprites with a magnifying glass, I started noticing, you know, and I was like, oh, Shang Tsung is wearing a katana. What the hell? <laughs> I see it now, but just then, nah, not so much. It doesn't help the fact that my proper introduction to Shang Tsung, my proper introduction to Mortal Kombat was MK2. I didn't uh I didn't really go back much and play MK1 like in the arcade on the SNES not so much. Yeah. Even the Genesis ports was was really limited. Like I I'd, I'd go into a video store and I I'd rent an hour worth of cartridge and I'd enter the blood code or the dollar code and that was there my experience with MK1 by and large. Yeah. I was first interested yeah, in Shang just to Shang MK2. Yeah, we've We've gotten into, like, our, our personal histories with the series on several, like, episodes of the Nethercast before, but just quick recap, I first became aware of the series when MK2 was out, but I didn't go to the arcades very much as a kid, just because it was kind of a drive for my parents to take me. So, most of the MK I played was I owned MK1 on the SNES for a very long time, before I ever got MK2, the home version. So I played a lot of MK1, and Shang was always, um, I thought, a really great boss, because, uh, first of all, I just love that the, the skulls that he throws scream at you. Yep. <laughs> like, that's just, a, that's just a great effect for, like, the whole ambiance of the thing, the guys shooting these fucking souls at you and they're obviously in pain and <laughs> the thing about the screaming skulls is that they're actually they're creepier in mk1 than they are in mk2 i remember that the first time i heard them in mk1 where he was a boss i was wondering who was stabbing a dude to death <laughs> yeah it is because a much more they actually yeah they sounded in pain they, they actually sounded like they'd been 
imprisoned somewhere unpleasant for a hundred years. Yeah, um, the one thing that always kind of disappointed me, though, with MK1 is that as a boss, Shang didn't get a fatality. I would have loved to see him have a soul steal in that mm. game. My preferred incarnation of Shang is MK2 Shang, and it's it's as far as I understand, it's it's not an uncommon opinion to have. Mm. Yeah, and the the interesting thing about MK2 is like, so the reason the reason I was attracted to Mortal Kombat as a kid is like most kids, the fatalities. You know, I saw hmm. I saw screenshots of all the finishers in like the back of I think like a Game Pro had like a guide play like a strategy guide for the game and it had like shots of all the finishers and so like from a very early point like as the moment i was aware of mortal kombat shang sung had my favorite fatality in the series like the soul steal is the most graphically interesting thing in all of mk2 <laughs> and it's only real competition is lose dragon <laughs> it's uh it's funny that you say that i don't know what it was for me the Soul Steel was pretty cool, yeah, sure, but out of all the fatalities in the game, the one that made the most impression on me to start off with was it was the inner ear fatality. Ah. Possibly because from the outset, I really latched onto smoke. And I thought to myself, if this dude can emit smoke, why doesn't he turn into smoke and enter a dude and blow them up? Why does this <laughs> motherfucker have the fatality that the cool black and gray and silver ninja motherfucker should have. So that's kind of a part of my origin with the fascination of Shang was he's got a fatality I think someone else should have. But mm. there were other mitigating factors like he can actually turn into Kentaro, so he's got that, that, that secret fatality factor. Yeah, that, that was the other thing. Shang Tsung was the only guy in the game that had three... Yep. He was... That was pretty cool. He was also... <laughs> the guy that carried on the have a nice day motif from MK. Yeah, I, I love that too. I wish they brought that back. Okay, for those who have not gone back 20 years and play, played the MK arcade versions of 1 and 2, they did this thing initially starting out where if you got a quote-unquote bad ending, like Raiden's MK1 ending or Shang Tsung's MK2 ending, where the entire world gets destroyed or everyone's soul gets absorbed, they would end the arcade text with have a nice day. And you could just feel the <laughs> smiley face sitting there mocking you for being a dipshit enough to choose the bad character. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that was that was a fixation. That was like you're letting me play as a sub-boss in MK2 and you're letting me basically choose to be anyone that I want but the trade-off is I have to go and I have to get the bad ending, and I have to let them insult me for it. Although it's it's really only the bad ending for humanity, mm -hmm. as opposed to like MK4 Reptile, where the bad ending is the guy you played as dies in his own ending. <laughs> oh, we should probably do Reptile next because I have so much to say about him, and I, it's mostly all just sadness. <laughs> <laughs> made of tears and sadness. But anyway, Shang Tsung. Yeah. So, he was actually the first person I tried to learn in MK2 because, I mean, when you're a kid 
and you look at someone who can turn into anyone at any given time. Yeah, there's like there's yeah. the math in your head that goes, if I learn this guy, I I know how to play as everybody, and I can just beat everybody. But you'll never actually have that skill because you have to be like a robot with everyone. <laughs> to my credit, I can more or less play. 80% of the cast now in MK2 and MK3, I think. Not perfectly, but that was what taught but, me about vulnerability time. That's how I learned hardest... that someone with all the powers of everyone is not necessarily the strongest character or the best character in a given game. Yeah. Well, the hardest part of it for me was never, like, learning the moves of all the people he morphs into. It's learning the morph commands, because they, a lot of them were three direction and a button instead of two direction and a I, button. I'm gonna I'm gonna try remembering this right now live, and <laughs> I'll let the proof be the pudding, and I'll try to remember how I'll I'll, I'll I'll let our listeners and viewers decide and see for themselves how much I actually remember. So if I remember right, Baracus was down down low kick, subs was four down forward high punch, Scorpion was block whole block up up, and that was it. <laughs> so uh, to turn into Scorpion, you have to do the toasty. You do. I remember that. Katana's, I think, was mashing block a couple of times. Melina's was holding high punch or high kick. It was one of the two. Uh, shit. I'm, I think Raiden's was like back, back, forward, high kick. They tried to sort of make a few of them their special moves, but this is all I'm, I'm coming back with right now. I, <laughs> I used to know them all, and now I remember some of them. Yeah, no, you were right. Um, the sub morph into sub zero is the command for the spine rep. Katana's that's the thing. block block block. I remember this. Melina's hold high punch. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing. To to learn how to play Shang Tsung and actually morph, you have to learn not just how to throw the flaming skulls, which there are three versions of. Yeah. You have to learn twelve more button commands. <laughs> I remember sitting down and thinking, is there any way that I can learn this character and make him useful without morphing? No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't so really get do by it. with just the skulls. Uh, before we continue moving on, recovering some ground here. Recovering a classic period of the yeah. Franchise well, history. there's there's a couple more things I want to say about yeah. specifically MK2 Shang because, sure. like I said, the first game I owned in the series was the SNES version of MK1, which. The instruction booklet for that game came with uh, pictures from the comic book. Yep. So I was aware of what Shang Tsung wore in the ancient past. So like, you know, that, that red and yellow outfit. It's the his Deadly Alliance all. So when MK2, when I, I looked at that, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. It's the same outfit, but it's black now. So, so his his outfit in MK2 really appealed to me because I could see like the visual continuity there, and it appealed to my like even as a young boy, growing nerd brain, <laughs> collecting information and appreciating continuity. To this day, actually, it's going to be a thing going forward. But I feel like visually they kind of lost the plot with Shang after MK3. Yeah, I don't mean to necessarily imply that every character needs to have a two-color default setting or colors they should automatically default. But it, it never stopped being apparent to me, at least, that 
there was a gratuitous amount of yellow and black that really worked for Shang. Well, there's there's but, even like yeah. a there's even like a character connection there because from even from like bio and MK1 where it's like Shang's palace is full of gold and that's why I'm going to the tournament. I want to steal all his gold. So we get we get oh Shang loves gold. That's why he wears yellow because he's actually gold. It's his favorite color. He feels like a character to whom the colors or the emblems of excess would actually kind of latch onto really well. Even yeah, when he's, he's got like I hate I mean, the MK3 island. Obviously he's all about yeah. like Affluence. Being, like, surrounded by opulence, throwing these giant banquets at his tournament and all that, like, the money and the power and the prestige, he fucking loves it. So, yeah, being all about the color gold makes sense. I can sit here and I can look at MK3 Shang and I can say, you look like a low-grade, low-tier professional wrestler from the early 1990s. Yeah. You look like, like an idiot, but somehow this works better for you and makes you more recognizable <laughs> The MKDC or MK2011 outfits. Deadly Alliance is up to debate. I don't know. I mean, we can we can pick apart each outfit as we get to that game. But since you bring it up, I would like to talk about the MK3 costume. It's terrible because it's just yeah, because the neon yellow spandex pants is just the. If it it's were for the pants in the game. <laughs> if it were for the pants, it'd be kind yeah, no, of just passable. Change the pants and it's perfect. Like I love I love his like And yet the color works. The color's okay. It's just the fact that they're like these spandex craven the hunter reject pieces of shit. It's so weird. It's so oh weird. God, and he's I... got like like he doesn't even have like underwear over the top the way Superman does. This is a thong. <laughs> and I'm gonna get this out of the way. His idol stance, his battle stance. Oh, the, somehow, the, the mincing yeah. clawing like a cat it, at the air. It, it somehow <laughs> stood apart for me as the most utterly ridiculous battle stance. Like this, yeah. Even like, when I was just, twelve, I looked at MK3 Shang for the first time. What are you doing? What's going on there? What he was doing with his hands, and I was just like, "What?" Uh, he... Somehow this worked for Reptile and UMK3. It did not work for Shang. I didn't. I didn't have the words for it when I was at the age I was that this game came out. But as an adult, I look at him and I look at Sindel and I go, "Wow, there's a lot of drag queens in MK3." <laughs> <laughs> no, like seriously, I, MK3 Shang frustrates me because I look at him. And the eye paint is not any different than, like, what Reiko is wearing in MK4 or what Serena's wearing. Like, like I kind of, like, I like the strappy so top many thing. Likes. It's kind of metal, and I like and I like the eye paint. It's just the pants, man. The pants ruin it. Yeah. The pants and the boots. Although, I, I was never big on the ponytail. Like, the concept art where his hair is loose makes him look so fucking rad. Yeah. And before we forget, before we go forward here, I'm gonna go ahead and posit that something that's actually been lost with Shang over the over the passage of time is the pupil-less look on the eyes. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Thank um, you for bringing that up. I would have forgotten. It, it, it's been bothering me for a long time. I look at Shang in MK9 and in MKDC, and I'm like. Why do you have pupils? Why have you got eyes? Uh, yeah, like he's he's fucking the he's oldest. Magic man. And I have the same problem with Nightwolf in the newer yep. games. Like, the more powerful your magic should be, I want you to have the glowing fucking eyes. The there's also you know the eyes are the window to the soul, and, and I can and think Shang of no it. character more appropriate 
to outline that who eats souls to stay alive. I, He's I got you, none of his own. All of those souls. And you, you don't still have don't have own. one of your own. Please <laughs> stop giving Shang eyeballs. You're missing the point of the character. Anyway. It's been bugging me for a while, that little detail. It's, it's, it's kind of like Baraka's formerly silver teeth. An element of the person that I feel that's been grossly misplaced over time. That's all. You know, we can talk about this one day when we do a Baraka episode, but I have always kind of wondered how come the blades are metal but not the rest of their bones? <laughs> I view that as a horrible oversight. Like, following onto the classic period, into the 3D period, I there's just a collection of specific details that make X character X character that kind of got dropped that have been bothering me since 2003 or 2004 and i could i could form a laundry list and shang's eyes are a part of that and they're they're the start of that you know just out of curiosity i was looking i'm looking right now at like old baraka sprites yeah. and like all of the little pointy bits on his arms all the little bone spurs are shiny metal yeah like it's not i just believe no it was the intent i think that they were channeling some wolverine when they invented that character yeah and they have just forgotten that his teeth, yeah, were, his teeth were metal. His blades were metal. He had a metal skeleton. And they just kind of left that go in favor of Grunt Grunt Orc Troll dude. I don't know. Yeah, that's a shame. But back I'm, to Shang. I'm considering being Baraka this Halloween. I'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Gotta fucking do it right and see if it's not scary enough. Yeah, you, you have to the hair these days. Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> you chose that. <laughs> It's been I mean, growing you... back. It's been growing back. I I have the Reiko now. Ah. Ah, yes. The hair and a maddening quest to wear someone else's helmet. But seriously, Shang. So, um, what have we not covered? Well, we, we're up to MK3 now, so I want to say some things that I really like that the game added to him. Like, I really like his, uh, his win pose. The glowing fist. <laughs> win poses. As a kid, it bothered the shit out of me that he would laugh during the MK2 credits and he just wouldn't do it normal wind pose. He'd just stand oh, there yeah, like, and stare at you. Depending with his... on what version of the game you were playing, yeah. they either took out or left in the laughing animation on the hands on his hips MK2 wind pose. Yeah, that fucking... I, I think that... The, I, I was talking about this in the, the Discord chat a couple of days ago with Chrome. And I figure that what they wanted to do was actually have a wind pose where he was laughing. But once they saw it, they maybe figured that it was overlapping with the announcer voice, so they'd cut it out. And no, then they think, realized him was, uh... laughing alone without any voice was weird, so they just kind of cut it down to him with his hands on his hips. That's how I see it. I don't know. I have seen I have seen the full laugh animation in certain versions of the game. It's, so it's like it's in the Saturn. I if it and was the, a memory issue. It's in the Saturn and the PlayStation versions. It's there, because, but it's not in the arcade. In the arcade, it's also, only in the credits. It's fucking weird. There's also dependent on what version you're playing. Sometimes only half of Katana's Winpo's plays. She like bends over halfway. It's fucking yeah. Head, but, then, but then she won't do the bow at the end. Maybe. And the bow, without the bow, that wind pose looks stupid. Yes. <laughs> like, like Baraka on the Genesis. He just, he gets to like the bowing period and he just stops there. He doesn't do the crossed <laughs> arms in front of him. He just takes a bow and that's it. Polite Baraka on your Genesis. 
That is fucking harsh. <laughs> we should probably I will, maybe... I would also like to point out that MK3, his animality was the first time that the snake as an animal was associated with Shang. And it went on to be him making a giant snake out of fire in the Deception yes. intro, which was really rad. And it then was... in and then in the modern graphics games, he wears snakes all the fuck over his clothes. Yes. It like, was the beginning of a just, trend, which until he's clearly I... like Serpentor from G.I. Joe. It's way too much. <laughs> you know when you were playing MK3 for the first time and you saw everyone's animality and you were like that's dumb. That's dumb. That's stupid. That makes sense. Yeah, like okay. nine times out of ten, you're like, "Why is Cyrax a street shark? Why street is Jack a lion? <laughs> what is going on with these choices? Shiva is a scorpion, and scorpions not." I just want to okay. tell the audience that, like to this day, my spirit animal is a cybernetic ninja bat. <laughs> That's never changed. That's never going to change. <laughs> if you ever look up to the night sky 30 years from now and you see a glowing giant purple bat I'm free <laughs> I'm free and I'm with my people <laughs> my spirit animal is the skeleton of a rhinoceros what Not the fuck was though. that that's cabal <laughs> no I know but even at the time at the time I'm looking at that and I'm like what's going on here <laughs> Are you real? Well, I guess it's because he's been badly hurt. That was it. Like, that was he's it. missing you figure... some of his body, so so like, is that malady? I looked at it at the time as interpreting <laughs> Cabal is probably some sort of living dead fighting zombie corpus person, and the animality is the game's way of telling us that he's barely alive. Okay, moving on. It made more well, sense to me than like his conflated head fatality. Uh... I also like how Smokes has the least definition. Like, it's the silhouette and, of a bull. <laughs> and yet, somehow, it winds up looking the best, I personally found. It is It is pretty rad, actually. Yeah, Shang. Shang's animality is one of the very, very, very few that fits his character in the entire game. It was one of it's maybe also... three in MK3 that I actually appreciated and went, that actually makes a lot of sense. Maybe Jax, two of them are given the best. Uh, I, I, maybe Sonya as an eagle. Yeah, kind of. But here's the thing, like, Shang also kind of fits into this category that only Liu Kang and Nightwolf also fall into, where their animality could actually be canon, mm -hmm. because Shang's already a shapeshifter. It never bothered me that Shang could turn into a giant snake. I just figured, eh, this is easy mode for him. Sure. So fatalities. Um, right. The uh, the bed of spikes was an interesting choice. Did they knew about what was going to happen in the movie because they came out the same year? There might have been some overlap there, maybe. At the time, I figured to myself that it was just their way of making use of prior existing assets, and I mean, it was obvious to anyone who was watching at the time that MK3 had some problems with censorship and. Yeah, they, it, it I mean, seemed to me that if they wanted to, they could have done better with them. The the bed spike slamming was functional; it worked. But at the same time, I I said to myself, they have done better with the character. Yeah, like it's not the most exciting fatality. He just 
he basically summons his own pit finisher. Yeah. But what what was really interesting to me is, first of all, most of the strategy guides for MK3 didn't include his soul steal. Really? Like, you look through most of those books and they pretend he only has one fatality. What, the spike slam? Yeah. We're going to have to compare notes, man, because the, the, the strategy guides I've got have soul steal. It's weird, because, like, as a kid, I I owned, like, three or four different uh, MK3 and Ultimate MK3 strategy guides, and I think in all of the ones I looked through, I only ever found one guy that documented the Soul Steel. I've got... Which, and I've that, got... this game has a really interesting Soul Steel, because the soul doesn't go to him, it flies off into the sky, so Piss he's not... me off to no to degree. Oh my god. It seems like. It's sitting there. It's gonna get away. Take the goddamn thing. You're pissing no, me off. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they were trying to make it a lore thing, like because Shao know. Kahn is claiming all the souls. So Shang, Shang is taking the soul, but then the soul is being sucked away to Khan. I can understand that, but you'd think that they'd actually do something with the animation rather than letting it hang there. It just but... always bothered me that it was just floating there for no particular <laughs> reason. Although I did like the fact that their body just kind of fell down. Yeah, it becomes like a puddle of goo and bones. It's a it's a really cool animation, actually. Yeah. Compared to, like, all of the shitty finishers in MK3, this one was actually really well done. <laughs> I'm going to give Shang Tsung's friendship some props, actually, because it introduced me to Joust. <laughs> so, yeah, Joust... As a kid, I also did not know Joust yeah. until I saw Shang's friendship. And as a kid, I'm looking at that, I'm like, The fuck are you? What is this? He turns into a couple of pixels? What's going on here? That's how I learned what that was at mm. the time. I was so confused. Completely confused. Yeah, I think I think one of the strategy guides explained Joust to me. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a lot to take in at the time. His yeah. MK2 fatality, how'd you feel about that? The, you mean friendship? Yes. Nah, yeah, friendship, so, friendship. So yeah. his MK2 friendship is my favorite friendship ever because I like yes. rainbows. <laughs> See, I almost kind of figured... The whole point of a friendship to, should be to go as far out of character as possible, to have the most <laughs> fun with the cons, to make it as ridiculous as possible, and there is not one friendship in MK2 that made me laugh quite as hard as Shang sprouting a big fucking rainbow from his palms. And I just love the shit-eating grin. Like, it's beautiful. I'm, actually, I'm a little bitter that the gay community has claimed the rainbow as their symbol. I'm because that then it makes it socially awkward me for me to be a fan of rainbows. <laughs> it shouldn't, man. Take it, run with it. It was lovely. <laughs> it was just he was so plainly happy during that friendship. He sold yeah. it. It was a beautiful it was, thing. It was peace on earth and goodwill toward men. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, man. If you're gonna do a friendship, make it as out of character as is humanly possible, and it'll go over all the better. <laughs> there is there is something missing with just buy a Sub-Zero or Scorpion doll. You know, you need a little bit more than that. Yeah. And like, like Shang Tsung's friendship Shang's friendship spoke to me more than anything else. Yeah. It all it always really kind of stuck in my crowd. Like I understand palette swaps, but that the friendships are the same friendship too. Yeah, I always kind of hoped like, it'd be something else. Like Sub-Zero doesn't do yeah. the toasty. Come on. Animate one more fucking thing. They all just shilled out action figures of themselves, which was a shame, but 
I suppose that's like the nature of commercialism. and I get it. <laughs> if it helps, I did buy a Sub-Zero doll and a Reptile doll. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I bought doll. all of those action figures. Not because MK2 told me to. I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> Motherfuckers, we all know that we bought a Smoke doll and a Noob Saibot doll. Or I... customized one ourselves, but we didn't need any prompting to do I it. I own the fucking Dragon MK1 speedboat because that was the only way to get a Reptile. <laughs> so did I. I had the Reptile for longer than I had the speedboat, but so did I. And yeah. Kano's motorcycle. Kano did not come without his motorcycle. I did not own a Kano. Because I had I... a Kano. I had a Kano, and I had a lot of trouble, as I remember, going to find the guy. I think Kano may have been the only character I didn't own. He was hard to find, I remember that. I owned a Smoke, which I always thought it was weird that they made Smoke, and I, no I, other MK2 characters. <laughs> I still have that Smoke, and I wondered about that, too. I was like, I was waiting for the Katana, the Melina, and the Jade to show up, and they just never did. They could have at I've least still got my smoke. I bought. They had the mold for the mail. <laughs> I just I figured that their planning stopped at some point in early MK2 revisions. Mm, perhaps there was also there was a gigantic Shang Tsung plus like gigantic boat toy series. Like, oh toy yeah, game. and like I, the, I think the, the version of Shang that came with that was like black or something. I don't know. Yeah, I never had that. To be, I think it was supposed to be movie Shang. Yeah, probably. I never had that. Like that was no. one of those one hundred dollar plus pieces of shit from back in the day that I. Oh well, uh, yeah, it's fucking I can never up there with Metroplex. <laughs> or the USS Flag. Look that thing up, why don't you? Five hundred dollars <laughs> or something at the time of release. Now only the five richest kings of Saudi Arabia own one. <laughs> anyway, so Shang Tsung. So we've covered. Um, one through three at this point. Yeah, we've, we've got the trilogy in the bag. At this point, I want to kind of go to MK4. But when yeah. MK4 came out, um, more than I think anyone else, like Jax or Smoke or Noob Saibot, well, Noob Saibot's an exception because he was there for earlier revisions, but one of the things that I remember at the time was going, huh, there is no Shang Tsung this time. And that was surprising to me because I had become used to seeing him go from the boss, the Capo del Capi of MK1, to a steady recurring presence in MK2 and 3, having the morph ability, which at that point it kind of felt like there should always be a character who morphs. And when MK4 came along, you had Quan Chi, who was the resident sorcerer, and Shinnok, who was the boss, but who also had the ability to take on anyone's special moves. Yeah, his appearance wouldn't change, but he could copy movesets. That was the first time. I remember going, huh, they kind of gave old Shang the shaft here, didn't they? And I'm not trying to lead the discussion here. I'm really not trying to, but... This yeah, is... no, because I don't, I don't entirely theme. agree, because here's, here's my thing. I'm just saying, like... there's a theme that emerges here for me personally, going forward. And 1998 is when I first started noticing there's a lack of Shang going on. Yeah, so for me, for me, intellectually speaking, as we got further along in the games, 
and I was getting older and sort of understanding how storytelling works more as a kid. Like, I realized, okay, so they usually, like, kill off the bad guys in the movie for a reason, because it was it would be weird if they got away and then showed up again in the sequel and you had to do all the things over again. So by the time by the time you get to MK3 and Shang Tsung has like failed Shao Kahn multiple times in a row and is still around, it starts getting weirder and weirder that he's not dead. <laughs> I initially I came away with the same impression too. I figured MK4 was here and all, all of Khan's minions, like you've got Rain, Mataro, Shiva, Sindel to some extent, because my, col- my my perception of Shao Kahn's minions was to some extent colored by MK Annihilation. I figured anyone and everyone who was not part of Shao Kahn's, well, who was part of Shao Kahn's retinue and was not in MK4 at the time, like Ermac or Melina or Shiva or Mataro, I figured dead. I looked, yeah. at, I, looked yeah, that's, at, that's I looked at Reptile, I looked at Noob Saibot, and I thought, Survivors. Yeah, see, that's a common thing, I think, for people who were growing up in that era, is you look at the games now, and it's always like, if if somebody's not on a roster, you're like, ah, they're somewhere off screen and they'll be in the next one, why couldn't they be in this one? At the time when, being, Mortal yeah, Kombat was then, Mortal Kombat. If somebody Kombat, didn't make it, if somebody didn't make dead. it into the next game, you were like, oh, they must have died. Yep. Because people die in Mortal Kombat because... <laughs> oh, we were so young. We were so young. Yeah, no, it was it was naive of us to think that. But we were learning. <laughs> it was a different time. The other, the other thing about it, though, is it's not just that, like, how many times can a bad guy get away from either the good guys killing him or his boss killing him for failure. There's also that element of, like closure because the trilogy was over mk4 was a new story about a new group of bad guys shang wouldn't have necessarily fit that environment and then there's the third element of them stepping into 3d and you knowing that technology can't handle morphing yeah that was always an uncomfortable reality to have to face up to and i but i have to confess that one of the most painful parts of mk trilogy was as a PlayStation owner, and as a PlayStation <laughs> owner who was a fan of Shang Tsung, yeah. was a fan of Shang Tsung, having to make a choice of three characters for loading time, and because I'm not an idiot, those choices went like Baraka or whoever the fuck is your like number one pre- preference, and pick either Katana or Melina or Jade and or one of the ninjas. Usually one of the ninjas because seven characters are free, right? <laughs> Not going to be a fool. I can see that, yeah. But yeah, this was this was the era where you had to start reevaluating Shang's worth gameplay-wise as a character who could only who was known for firing flaming skulls and turning into other people. So you start to we wonder where step- the use we for that character stepping goes. into an era, we were stepping into an era where turning under into other people was no longer technologically yeah. viable. It meant it meant loading times. Loading times were an yeah. inevitability at this point in time. So it was not Although, e- even Shinnok on the PlayStation One version of MK4. Shinnok yeah. in the middle of a fight came with a 1.5 second loading time for anyone you chose to turn into. Middle of a like, fight. 
didn't matter. Ima- imagine playing a game offline and experiencing lag. <laughs> Pretty much. That's where we were in 1998 and 1999. God, and, it was yeah. a fucking pain in the ass. But even, even though, like, I knew, like, story-wise it made sense for Shang to not be there, it did kind of occur to me the entire MK2 roster is in this game except Shang. That's kind of a shame. Yeah. I, to this day, I still remember 1998 or 1999 as that point where I really fucking miss Shang. I do. He came back later on, but to this, yeah, but, but, to this point in time, but, I feel like the original trilogy was his time to shine in his golden period. When when we were still under Tobias as writer, like MK4 was before he left to make Tao Feng. Yeah. So you're like, it never occurred to you that things could be retconned. So we were all pretty sure Shang Tsung and Shao Kahn were actually dead in the story and we're not coming back in the next game. And then we sat there for five years waiting for the next game. And Deadly Alliance was revealed and the very first two pictures... Okay, so there were three pictures. There was one of Scorpion and a very early costume Jax fighting. Yep, I remember There was that. one of Quan Chi standing in his, um... His fucking spiderweb laser lair. <laughs> that was, I think, the month after. Because I remember spending yeah. the entire month going, It's finally back! Oh god, MK's not dead! And I was I was talking about this on the Discord just the other day when that Quan Chi picture was released. This is how stupid some MK fans are, or at least were at the time. <laughs> Almost all of MK Online consisted of people arguing about whether or not that picture was Quan Chi, even though it was clearly a bald man oh with God. chalk white skin with two <laughs> black lines from his eyes up his forehead. They were like, "No, Quan Chi wears a shirt." Quan Chi doesn't have all those red tattoos. That's it's not Johnny Cage! Johnny what Cage! Fuck, man? <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. Don't ask me. Uh, fucking... Even... I, I told them then that they were fucking idiots, and I'm saying it now, like, 20 years later. <laughs> I just wanna... I just wanna... The third picture that was released was that Quan Chi standing next to Shang Tsung, and then they told us what the story was gonna be when yes. they released that picture. yes. And in that moment, I was like, oh, shit. Bad guy number one gets to be bad guy again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we get to that point, though, three words for you. Okay. Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Mmm. Because mm. I don't feel like, I feel like we will be very remiss in talking about yeah, Shang and moving forward without to... talking about the movie. It, it would be, it would be very uncouth of us to skip the movie because the movie did so much for Shang. It really did. He's kind of planted a flag on that role that I don't think anybody else will ever uh, usurp. I don't think it's impossible for someone to give a better vocal performance. But the cadence and the vocal delivery, the attitude, the I mean, as, as much itself. as much shit as I give him for not having facial hair in that movie, because it is the one little nitpick that I've had since I was like twelve years old. <laughs> That's the thing, like me too. 
I thought at the start he should have a fucking goatee or something at the very least, but it's the it's way like he delivered one... everything else. Yeah. It's he's so fucking perfect in the role that I can't deny it. Like I would be an idiot to try to pretend that the mustache breaks it, you know. There's even um there's a line or two from the novelization of the first MK movie where he's talking to Sonia towards the end before Liu Kang and Johnny unmask themselves. And, you know, she's like, you know, go to hell. And he goes, well, the Emperor will be overjoyed. Victory at no cost. Flawless victory. There's a certain smarminess that Carrie gave Shang Tsung as a character that they've never really managed to recuperate or translate in games. And... I think that that's got a lot to do with why I miss him as a main villain of the piece. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Like, the, like they've tried, kind of, in MK9, but it's just not smug <sighs> enough. I mean... It's just not smug enough. <laughs> let's get to MK9 when we get to MK9, because holy shit. And, like, even, even into Legacy... He was bald, it was like 20 years later, didn't matter. He still kind of rocked that piece for what it was worth. I yeah, enjoyed watching I mean, him rock. It had, if, you watch, if you watch Legacy, it really has nothing to do with Mortal Kombat. He's still giving a great t performance. <laughs> NRS, if you're listening, just fucking hire the man to voice Shang Tsung yeah. forward. No, th so That's all. That's all we need. My, they, they almost hired him to voice act Shang in Versus DC Universe. Oh my god. They all like what Ed Boon said that once on Twitter, and I'm like, then why didn't you what made fell games through? since then, motherfucker? What are you doing? What <laughs> fell through? How did you fuck this up? How did you... I? I did not know this before. Right now, Razor, you're telling me that they had the man and they let him go. No, this is this is a true story. They were they were. I don't know what went wrong. I just know that Ed Boon has said before that they almost hired Kerry Tagawa to voice Shang in MK vs. DC. Almost. Almost. How lucky for them! <laughs> almost. Oh. <laughs> Dear NRS, I want you to stop fucking around. Whatever you're doing, whoever you're hiring, for MK11 to voice Shang Tsung. I want you to stop. If the answer is not Carrie, Hiroyuki Tagawa, you fucked up. <laughs> okay? Okay? Okay. I, like I move away Jack from the mic. Promos. <laughs> I move away from the mic to breathe in. <laughs> okay. We're good now. Anyway. I mean, it's not like he doesn't do voice acting. But he's... It's not like he's expensive. It's not this like is... they don't have money. It's like it's like you're telling me, okay, Peter Cullen. You're going to go back to voicing Scrappy-Doo or Scooby-Doo for the rest of your life. We're just going to get, like, Bob from Accounting to voice Optimus. You know what, Peter? You can play Bumblebee. Arg! My balls, thud. 
Oh, Christ God Almighty. Here, take this! Poof. No, enough about uh, so, uh, Deception's shitty voice acting. So we're going to move forward a little bit, I think. Yeah, we have sufficiently filleted Carrie. We have. <laughs> we love you, Carrie. I love you. And to this day, no one can break a spine better than you can. You know what? I don't I don't just want Carrie Tagawa to voice him in a game. I want Shang to wear that leather jacket. Yeah. That's Hon honestly awesome looking. He could he, he could be old Shang and rock that shit. I think it'd like to look really amazing. I didn't want it to happen. See And the and the neat the other neat thing is under the trench coat, he's wearing the MK3 outfit, but the pants aren't yellow, they're black. <laughs> Fucking exactly! <laughs> exactly! Okay, we're gonna we're gonna shortly move into a section where I start bemoaning what has become of Shang or what's happening with Shang. And I wanna just at this point in time have you considered the pre the previous hour to forty five okay no. We're at the time of this recording, right now, as I'm speaking, we're one hour three minutes in. The time code on whatever you're watching will probably be different because of editing. Probably, probably. But we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> this is one hour of us reminiscing over the glory days or what we think they are, what I think they are of Shang Tsung. Now we get into the 3D period of the franchise and forward. In theoretically, in theory, uh, Shang's big return. Uh, and story-wise, I liked it. I liked seeing Shang back. I liked most of what they did with him. My, there are problems. Yeah. I was extremely pleased for the period of one game. Because, as we all know at this point, we are introduced to the personage of Quan Chi. Or as I like to call him, the great big tennis ball-headed piece of shit who promptly proceeded... To take everything that I loved about Shang Tsung and make it his own. <laughs> to completely now, supplant the character going forward. Now here's here's the thing about it though, is Quan Chi didn't really become that until after no, Deadly Alliance. It was like, nine. Point, nine was point, the problem. Quan Chi, yeah. At this point Quan Chi had only been in two games and he and Shang had both been in the Conquest TV show, and there was an episode where they teamed up in that too. Yeah. But there was still a lot more of Shang in the show. Quan Chi was more like a, a guest star character. He's only in a couple episodes. I don't think that they started establishing a Quan Chi is greater than Shang hierarchy until the opening of Deception. That was where it started. Yeah. The following. And year. even then, and even then, it was only like a slight advantage, and you could like make excuses like the fact that he's got the amulet. But I was like, you know what? Everyone loses a fight. Whatever. Yeah. And it's, it was also sort of like, just sort of a generational thing. Quan Chi was the newer character, mm -hmm. so it's like, yeah, let him have the W this one time. But... At the time being, it yeah, did like, rankle me. But I was there to is, one there is There is a sense across the 3D era that even though it started with with a story where Quan Chi and Shang Tsung are supposed to equally be the boss of the game, it still sort of felt like they were nudging you to feel like Quan was the better of the two. There was a definite sense to me that Quan Chi was wearing the pants. That there was a sense of Shang is good at transplanting souls, and that's what Quan is using him for. Yeah, and then and then Quan's gonna backstab him and run off with his army of mummies. Yeah. And it's like, 
because logistically you think about that you learn you learn a couple things first of all Quan Chi can't move souls like the only reason he's able to raise the dead in other games is because those guys are their souls are already in hell mm-hmm. he can't steal a soul from a living being he can't move a soul from one place to another all he can do is go down to hell find dead people and make them not dead anymore this to a certain perception will i think become more important going forward into mk9 and the levels of yeah. bullshit that transpire therein yeah yeah but because for... there's there's no way that quan chi and mk9 should be able to do some of the shit that he does does with souls without shang's help but we'll get there it, it just just shouldn't be happening but yeah, yeah but but as far as deadly alliance goes quan chi needs shang sung to put souls in the mummies because he can't do it himself so really deadly alliance is a story of shang sung doing all the fucking work yep and Quan Chi just kind of standing by waiting. The narrative is from Quan's perspective. It's him yeah. getting out of hell. It's him running away from Scorpion. It's him stumbling across the army. It's him going, I need someone to do some tailoring here. And then he comes across Shang. Shang, meanwhile, uh, in the intervening years, has had a not great time of it. Yeah, so you find out you find out that after MK3, Shao Kahn threw Shang in the dungeon because he failed. Yeah, but it's that it's was still, all his fault. It's that whole it's the whole thing of like Megatron and Starscream. Exactly, where it was, just won't kill the guy. This was all your fucking idea. I'm gonna make you suffer for this. Frankly, to me, it, what was amazing at that point in time was the fact that Shao Kahn and Shang Tsung still existed at some point or another. That they yeah, weren't it, all dead. I'm not. I'm not entirely fond of this particular story beat. Like it's necessary to get to Deadly Alliance, but it makes them feel like an old married couple, as opposed is... to like an evil dictator and this guy who he should be fucking murdering for multiple failure. This is where <laughs> we started understanding that it wasn't so much a matter of everyone who worked for Khan and their mom being dead at that point in time. It was that no one really died that was worth a good goddamn, and yeah, the people this, that were still around were just where you realize, kind of oh. defeated like He-Man or, or Transformers villains. They were just off yeah. licking their wounds for a decade. Yeah, everybody had just kind of gone into hiding. Yeah. Nobody died. But To be fair so... about it, they did say that at that point that Shang had curried enough favor with Shao Kahn to be allowed to sort of Go and live off near the uh, acid yeah. wastes on his own. Yeah, he, ha- so, he had his so own little story, palace back. The story is fresh out of MK3. He'd been in the dungeon. But then eventually he got let back out and he decided to m- move to his fucking ranch house in the wastelands of Outworld and just, like, live alone and not do stuff no more. Just he He's enjoying his retirement when Quan Chi comes to him. I assume he was working on his soul tailoring at the time. Yeah, he was probably just going out for, like... It's like when you go out to buy groceries, he's just picking off people one at a time for souls. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make a soul run, I'm getting a little low. <laughs> Let's not forget that. There there was a short period of time where they let Shang have a bit of a retirement period. Didn't last long, but it's something. And that's, and that's their explanation for why he wasn't in MK4. He was in the dungeon with many other folks here and there. 
and then and then he retired and decided to just move home and live the George Lucas is doing post Star Wars. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> just live on just live on the Skywalk the 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 Sunwalker Ranch. <laughs> and then one day some tennis ball looking motherfucker escaped from being beaten up by Yellow Ninja for a couple of decades and <laughs> shows up on his doorstep and goes, Hey, I got this idea. I found this army. I can't do that whole thing where I move souls from one body to another body. How's about you do that? And and then we'll share yeah. the army and take over Outworld with it. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the side, I want to like do this whole tournament thing with a bunch of like slave villagers, but we'll let Kano take care of that. Anyhow, yeah, so, you, so me, bros, cool. Fist bump. Here's kind of an important detail in that, is that Shang only goes for it like Shang, like taking over outworld he still asks what's in it for me mm -hmm. and quan Chi goes well my amulet it turns out can open portals i'll open one to heaven and souls will pour out forever because it's heaven mm -hmm. and you can feed on all the souls ever for the rest of your life <laughs> you'd figure that if anything this is kind of something that the elder gods would stand up and kind of say maybe no to but whatever i was okay with it because it seems to me like evidence of forethought and some sort of planning going into it. This is the kind of thing, eye for an eye, tit for tat, that two high-level sorcerers... It, it was it was a sensible bargain for the two of them to make, so I was okay with this. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, is that the 3D era was sort of where we started to learn that the Elder Gods don't actually give a shit about mortals. That yes, they're not true guys. Like, the Elder Gods just kind of want to be left alone. <laughs> So, so you're wondering oh, no, at the time. Souls are escaping heaven? Who cares? <laughs> so he puts his sorcerer needle up into the heaven and a bunch of them spill out and he makes Shang happy. Whatever. I'll let it go. At this point, I think I was kind of used to the Elder Gods going, eh, whatever. Not unless we have to get involved personally. And, and well, it's, it's specifically funny because Raiden was up there with them going, come on, do something. <laughs> and nope, they're like, no, lol. you do something. <laughs> Not our problem. And that's when Raiden decided that after only a couple years as an Elder God, he didn't want to be an Elder God anymore. <laughs> ah, bless him. MK9 and all his faults going forward, he certainly did have a lot of heart. Yeah, like, old timeline Raiden actually did shit. He wasn't a fucking idiot. <laughs> that was a thing, you know? Even during the MK movie, when you had that one shot of the... the doorway closing as the feast began and before some just started freezing people you kind of got the sense Raiden wanted to sit at the table with those people he wanted to help them but he kind of couldn't because of rules yeah like he wasn't allowed in Shang Tsung's dining room <laughs> no soup for you sadly <laughs> it's just kind of aww <laughs> the fate of billions to okay I guess I'll just wait out here then it's no oh, big you're, deal you're I wanted some chicken. <laughs> I felt so bad for the guy. <laughs> That's unfortunate. That is. But, but uh, um, Shang Tsung, Deadly Alliance. Now, to his credit, to the credit of John Vogel specifically, and I think he was the only person writing the storyline for this game, and if that is I still think, the I case. I think the John Greenberg might have been involved, but we know Vogel was the lead during the 3D era. Well, for one way or another, up until Armageddon, I 
I remain impressed as to what they accomplished. There was they, they a lot were, of plotting to do. They did manage to actually like honor and be consistent with the old canon, and when yep. they did retcon something, they didn't fucking ruin it. It still made mm -hmm. sense. <laughs> so and, and got... Shang does have like yeah, Shang does have an important presence in Deadly Alliance. Like he is one of the two bosses. This like, is where the, way Moloch... the would work is as you got to the end, you'd fight Moloch, who yeah. was the sub boss. This is and where Moloch and Drummond come in because they, they they are his insurance plan. Because yeah. he's no one's fool. I admire this part. He's like, this Quan Chi, I know who he is. I know what he's made out of. He's not so far from me. What would I do if I were me? Oh, yeah, hey, Shang... I'd stab a guy in the back. Here's my insurance plan. Shang and Quan are both planning to stab each other in the back when the army's done. Like, they are... Ne neither one is, like, naive or being fooled into, like, trusting the other really. Like, Quan Chi's backup plan is really just kind of, I guess I'm the stronger of the two of us, I can take him. Shang Tsung's backup plan is, hey, these two demons hate him, I'm gonna keep him in my basement. Exactly. <laughs> People forget that. Moloch had an entire lovely pit for him prepared where he'd just sit there and eat people while waiting for Shan to give him the okay to eat Quan Chi or throw him down there to the wolves or what have you. No, I guess touch. I guess one of I guess one of the endings says that Quan Chi's plan was to have Kano stab Shang in the back. I think that was right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is weird because Quan Chi was also planning to have Mavado kill Kano and take over as general. Huh. See, this is this is probably one of Quan Chi's most understated weaknesses. He overthinks shit. Yeah, he really does too many balls in the air. Anyway, look where it got him. Yeah, and, and like, what I really like about the writing in Deadly Alliance is that they didn't just, like, make Shang relevant as the boss. They also made sure to tie him into the new characters, mm -hmm. which both makes him more important and makes the new characters actually fit, which is something they didn't do right in Deception. You know, you have, like, Darius and Dairu have nothing to do with anybody, and that's why they mm -hmm. don't make sense in the game. But Whereas when you we have we have Kenshi here. Yeah. And what makes Kenshi's introduction so great isn't just that he's got a strong design and good special moves. It's another that, guy that Quan Sung fucked over. Yes, he's tied directly into Shang. So really Kenshi is a character who could have existed in any of the previous fit just as well as he does in Deadly Alliance. Although I do have to admit that at the time I was thinking to myself that while it was cool that they gave him this other arch-nemesis figure in Kenshi, I remember looking at him and going, there is no way that anyone but Liu Kang has the right to beat this guy, which we've forgotten to address, point in fact. Yeah, yeah, the the elephant in the room is that Deadly Alliance is the game where Shang Tsung kills Liu Kang. <laughs> oh my god, I could, to this day... I can I can watch that neck snapping scene and shake my head in kind of a mute admiration. Because very few video games have had the balls to do what they did with their main character. Yeah, like it's it's one thing to like kill off the main good guy, but it's really something when his arch enemy does it. Like if Lex Luthor was the one to kill Superman, you know, instead of like introducing rando ass doomsday. <laughs> I try to keep that in mind up till even now. As badly as I think that they've treated Shang Tsung from Deadly Alliance onward, well, from Deception onward, let's say. 
few got... video game villains have had the honor of being able to do that to their heroic arch nemesis yeah. the way that Shang has gotten his. He got to... And it's it's not just that he got to kill his good guy. It's that it was Liu fucking Kang. <laughs> Hero of heroes. And not only did he kill him, he ate his fucking soul. Yeah. For a little while that's, at that's least. That's actually, like, my biggest disappointment with his gameplay in Deadly Alliance is that he doesn't use some Any, of Liu's yeah. moves. It's... Can we start, been, can we the, start feeling the, uh... The downside to being yeah. able to play as Shang in a new 3D era, but we yeah, can't have loading all, times. All he had was fireballs. That was it. They, they and they weren't. They didn't even look like skulls because of the graphics in that era. Like to this day, was, they, I think that they have just kind of not really capitalized on trying to give Shang more of his own special moves and properties. I, I mean, they, they got, know how to do it. They got better with it by Deadly Alliance, but just in in. Or not, I mean, they got better at it with MK9. MK9. Yeah. But in Deadly Alliance, his gameplay was a real disappointment. Yeah. Like, he was just Fireball Guy. And if they had, like, made him more Liu Kang borrowing, or, like, capitalized on some of the soul stuff. Like, he did have a soul suck move that would give him health back. But if, if they had just... I like that. That's... He needed some fucking variety, man. <laughs> it's a hard pill to swallow for any character in any fighting game. You give someone special moves and properties that they're very well known for having. You make a comfortable play style. Even if that play style is absolutely everyone under the sun. What do you do if you have no choice but to take most of that away? You have to reinvent the character. Yeah. And, and it took them a few games to get to that point where maybe they could. It's up to debate even now, I think. I don't know if they it's ever also... successfully reimagined Shang Tsung from top to bottom as well as they could have. Yeah, it's also it's also Deadly Alliance had a problem with special moves in general, where most characters had lost all their classic moves and only had was... like two things. Like Raiden, it was that, and Raiden... it was that. Regardless of of appearance, most special moves had very similar properties. Yeah, everybody kind of just had a fireball and a shoulder charge, and that was your game. <laughs> it was underwhelming, even at that point in time. We didn't want to admit the results, but it was the truth. That fucking, that trying to imitate tech and stuff was such a weird goddamn idea. The last the last thing I want to talk about, Deadly Alliance-wise, is his primary costume. Because mm -hmm. his secondary is, like, my favorite Shang costume ever, because it, it is, is just the one from the comic book. It is, yeah. Shang's secondary in Deadly Alliance is, yeah, it's, it's a straight import from the John Tobias MK comic, and it is, to my knowledge... The only time, I think, in a Mortal Kombat game where they really... Until Goro and MK10, I think. Where they acknowledged an outside form of media. I mean, I mean, technically, that comic was always canon. It was. And it, is, it is just a red version of his MK2 outfit. In fact, if both of you play that Shang costume, one of you gets to be MK2 Shang. <laughs> yes. Which is fucking glorious. But the, the problem is his primary what's with all the brown <laughs> there's what, what is with this like leather vest <laughs> the problem i have with deadly alliance shang is like that suit maybe it's the models it looks like it's 30 degrees in there it's so busy and there's just so much going on yeah, it's, and it's too puffy it looks like a winter coat like 
Like, I get what they were going for. He does kind of look like an ancient Chinese royalty figure. He does, but I feel like if, if, if they brought that back for MK11 and just maybe streamlined it a little bit, it would do it a lot of favors. It's too busy, it's poofy, and I don't like the color scheme. Yeah. And really, this, this color scheme is sort of the problem with his costumes going forward, where they start adding too much red to all of them. I maintain that Shang Tsung and the color yellow have this kind of relationship. Yellows and maybe a little bit of blacks, not to the extent that Scorpion and, does, yeah. but... And, and to be fair, they have kept yellow details in all of his outfits, but the black is gone. Yeah. It's there in MKDC, it's kind of there in MK9. And, yeah. But it's the, just... The red got so he, heavy he, that... He gets Old busy. Dragon 9 isn't wearing a blue coat, he's wearing a red coat. And that's that's not okay when he's standing next to, like, an MK2 accurate Johnny Cage. Like, the only thing they change on Johnny is they put a tattoo on him. Half the cast is wearing something they never wore in the trilogy era. I don't think Shang's had very many great costumes from, like, MK3 forward. He's not no. been on the lucky side of things. Like... MK Deadly Alliance Alternate, MK2, MK1, and that's it. I like what they tried to do with him in MK9, but it wasn't I would I would say entirely successful. In terms of in terms of trying to like visually upgrade or reinterpret the older costumes, the only one that's really acceptable to me is the versus DCU one. Yeah. It was a fair attempt. Yeah. Because MK9 is basically that, but let's add more red and snakes, and it just ruins it. <laughs> so moving on to Deception. Right, we, so, uh, so Shang Tsung dies in the opening cutscene. Sort of. That's... It's weird. He gets, like, his neck cracked a little bit, and he pukes up a bit of blood, then Quan drops oh, yeah, him. There's, then there's he gets back thing. up. We need to talk about that. Yeah, that both him and Raiden appear to die from, like... Kung Fu wounds. Like, Raiden, the fucking lights go out in his eyes and they stop fighting him. So, like, Shang and Quan clearly think he's dead. <laughs> and then Quan snaps the shit out of Shang's neck to the point where blood pours out of his mouth, puddle-sized. And, and he drops him. And then, yeah, and then both of them stand back up to fight Onaga. <laughs> I have never this understood is... what that was about. This is the beginning, I suppose, of mortal wounds being instantly healed from. I don't know. Stop yeah, like trying it, to take fatalities literally, people. Come on. Like, I get it. Bone breakers. X-rays. But you just did it in a cutscene to his <laughs> neck. That's his, That's lethal. You Tell me what you're doing. <laughs> so that is the story of Shang Tsung in Deception. Well, that there's is, a little bit more. Because there... then... Because then Raiden explodes, and yeah. Shang does canon die for the first time in the series. Yes. Yes. And enter the Mortal Kombat Armageddon origins and histories written on the back of napkins, period. Because they were just... <laughs> and to, to their credit, out of all of the origins and stories they wrote for MK Armageddon, they tried for Shang. They tried to yeah. give him a good explanation as to why he is even around. And let me let me say this. Face. Let me say this. Yeah. As as much shit as the writing team and Vogel as the leader of that team deserve for the reboot era, 
he was a fucking hero in Armageddon because to be told we're not having mm-hmm. bios in this game and then he goes ahead after the game ships and writes some for the website anyway. Yes. Like I'm not even sure he got paid for that. <laughs> he John, just did it for himself. Even if you're listening, if you're listening to us after like two years of Nethercast and us bitching about miscellaneous, extraneous plot points, no one but us four gives a shit about. And I say four, but Temp doesn't care. Understand that when we bitch, it is tough love. You have done some great, great things for us, and we thank we you for that. We will never forget that, okay? You gave Chameleon the time of day, and I appreciate that. You gave Kentaro <laughs> four magic swords. I don't know why, but you did, and I love you for it. It was something. It was more than he had at the point in time. Planet Smoke? Okay, sure. Makes no sense now, but at the time... Maybe going a little far there. <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit, but John Vogel... Pull it back a bit. You're at a nine, and I needed about a six. <laughs> <laughs> John Vogel, my love for you goes to 11. Okay, how's about that? <laughs> okay. But, you know, like that Shang Tsung's bio for Armageddon gives us not just, like parts of Shang's origin story that we've never had the whole series. It fills in a lot of detail. Like, it also explains the super important fact of how the fuck he came back from the dead to be in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was clever. Gotta give him that. It's a soul tether. So, so for those of you who don't know, his bio for Armageddon basically is the first time it's established that he actually sold his soul to Shao Kahn when he was taught the magic to steal souls. So if he ever dies and Sh- and Shao Kahn is alive, Khan gets his soul instead of it going to the afterlife. And then Khan can do whatever he wants with it. And in this case, Khan went down to the flesh pits and put it in one of Shang's clones of himself. Which, by the way, is also Meat's origin story. Meat is a clone of Shang Tsung that's unfinished and doesn't have skin or memories. <laughs> but he's got a bitchin' British accent. And we will get to that, I promise, when we get to our three and a half hour meet retrospective. Look Coming forward soon. to that in 2029. <laughs> Be the meat. 2029. Be the meat. Hashtag be the meat. <laughs> okay, no, but really. Uh, and yeah. Shao Kahn and Shang Tsung. There's actually, there's a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. So, so because all of the clone bodies are unfinished and don't have skin, Shang comes back looking like meat, and he needs souls to, like, heal himself up the rest of the way to be now, finished. So they go Was out. that canon? Are you, are <laughs> you sure about that? This is, this is in this bio. I am looking at it right now because this is the is this important. Is the MK part. Armageddon bio? I need to look this at this. This is the Armageddon bio. Okay. So, so Shao Kahn, Goro, and Shang Tsung go to Li Mei's village and kill fucking everybody. Oh so God! That Shang can yeah, steal souls. I remember that now. They just and take a fucking half an hour, forty-five <laughs> minutes out of their day to go to Li Mei's village, which has already seen so much fucking hardship. And like, angst. Just, just pure spite. Just really twist the knife. <sighs> Poor Lee May. She didn't even get a bio in this game. 
<laughs> she was one of the unlucky ones, wasn't she? She also she's also the first to die in the opening cutscene. <laughs> Everybody's See, running each other, and Hotaro's spear goes right through her. Maybe we'll get there once, if maybe we ever do a Lime retrospective, but I have never felt the attraction or the em the empathy for Lime that some of you guys have. I just, I, I don't get it. I never have. Well, we it's, cool. it's, it's cool to see... In a, on another day. <laughs> it's, it's cool to see her there in, like, MKX's story mode, but I would feel the same thing if we just had, like, 3.5 seconds of Havoc dropping a deuce with his pants down. Cool. Nice cameo. <laughs> Moving on. Next I don't know. Up. To me, she's like very similar to Reptile in that most of the appeal is how much I feel sorry for her. <laughs> her story is very much about like somebody who just keeps getting shit on by life. <laughs> I don't know if we can ever actually truly, truly get to the, like, the Reptile point because to me now, like the only Reptile canon that matters is like him with a triple X bottle of hooch just sitting <laughs> on the edge of a canyon looking at the moon and nobody knows the troubles I've seen <laughs> nobody knows but Jesus <laughs> so lonely <laughs> But moving on. But yeah, so... So after finishing what he started with the town of Sundo... <laughs> poor, poor Sundo. Shang Tsung does kind of get one last glory shot in the old timeline canon where he is the guy who gets the closest to Blaze in the opening cutscene. True, true that. And for some reason, Blaze roaring in his face transforms him back to how he looked in MK1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got kind of the old Shang Tsung moment. And I want to, uh, because we're not going to get this opportunity here, because we've covered both Liu Kang and Shang Tsung, there's like that really cool moment in the MK Armageddon opening cinematic where he sees the shambling corpse of Liu Kang coming up to him. And there's this moment of abject terror in his eyes. I don't yeah. remember this. That like, is, like, that is my favorite. Like, people back then used to just bitch about the idea of zombie Liu Kang as a character. I'm like, I always liked it. I loved makes it. Makes it worth it. Definitely. Like, just that, that moment where, like, he walks up with the fucking neck still snapped yep. and then pops it back it was, into place. And it, it was you beautiful. can see on Shang's face one word karma <laughs> yep it's about to start hurting <laughs> whatever actually happened to shang during the armageddon ba battle i don't think we'll ever know i don't believe that they actually ever well, showed us uh a body or what have you during that period you know in, in in mk9 i mean if you if you believe they are one timeline i i have a, a personal theory that the mk9 that we see the the Armageddon scene at the beginning of MK9 is a different universe, hmm. but because that would be the only way to explain certain things like Melina's different origin and all that stuff. But that's if you believe that they are one unbroken canon, then we do see Shang's body lying dead with Zombie Lu's hooks in his back on the same place as the steps. Oh, yeah. shit. There, there are people who think that's Shujinko because the orange lighting makes his coat look brown instead of red. I'm... You know what? But it's old Shang. I'm, I'm sure of it. 
I'm I'm not prepared to, to to invest anywhere near that much energy into picking and figuring out who's who. If you're gonna give me a game opening where like the corpse of the guy he's whose neck he snapped comes up to him and then he hooks that may or may not belong to that guy, for me it's that guy. I mean if if you watch I, if you watch that scene in MK9 at the beginning, the camera pans up the pyramid steps. Most of the bodies on the steps are where they were in the cutscene from Armageddon. I will give them credit for that at the very least. I may be disenchanted, but and and I may believe that there is kind of this is not a case of one timeline overriding another, but kind of a branching timeline perspective. That's what I've always maintained. But I think that they tried to maintain continuity as much as humanly possible. Like, why show us Shujinko's corpse impaled by Liu Kang's hooks if Shang's would do just as nice yeah, no, as precedent it's, for it? It's definitely Shang. It's just that people thought the coat looked brown, so they thought it was Shujinko. Ugh, come on, folks. But they it's, tried. It's the lighting of the scene, it's definitely Shang. They went far enough to, like, embed Kung Lao's hat in Baraka's cranium. They were <laughs> trying to give us some sort of poetic justice there. So I'm ready to believe... Whatever the case, that was Shang's corpse. Which, I guess, um, brings us to MK9. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about Shaolin monks? Because Shang no. is a particular point of no. hilarity. We already, I guess, covered it in the last episode. I just... There's not much to say then. Gork, he done fooled you. Gork. <laughs> <laughs> The less that we talk about Shaolin monks, the better, to be quite frank, unless we're talking about gameplay or soundtrack or scenery. For your sanity, I will agree. <laughs> I don't really, to be to be really honest with you, I don't remember Shang as being particularly important beyond the level of, oh, look, I'm pretending to be your best friend. I'm telling you lies. Well, oh, no, is, I am a boss in the weird... bed. Blah. There is a weird theme throughout Shaolin Monks where, like, Liu Kang and Kung Lao are after Shang. Like, they didn't even come to Outworld to fight there's, Shao Kahn. There's a personal bent to Shang. it. <laughs> there's a personal bent to it, and I think that that's probably a result of them, like, going into Kung Lao's backstory and his ancestors' backstory. I maintain that any research that went into this game was written on the back of a Ziploc bag at 4.36 a.m. between, like... Snorts of blood. I'm not, I'm not comfortable using the word research to <laughs> describe what happens in Shaolin Monk. <laughs> Your presence here is unwanted. Uninvited. Like, I'm It'll pretty sure Jim Kruger did that shit in five minutes, and he'd never Probably. heard of Mortal Kombat before. Probably. <laughs> it's MK9 Shang Tsung. Yeah, MK9. So, he's... I remember him getting a couple of pretty good. He he gets a couple of good lines here and there from what I recall. I I don't Okay, what what I remember is this. He's adequate in his position and the performance he gives and he kind of goes through the motions of being the character he needs to be until the MK3 period. I mean, the voice acting is better than it was in versus DCU, which we have also skipped by the way. Do we need to talk about DCU? I, don't I did. Remember. I did I don't think know. it was funny in the Captain Marvel chapter where Shang decides to pretend he's holding a tournament. 
because apparently that's the most important thing about Shang is he must referee things like he has a compulsion. I could there's also the there's also there. an amusing moment towards the end of the game where everybody is being hit the hardest by the rage and fighting each other except Shang. And he's the one who talks sense into Raiden to go after Dark Khan. <laughs> you know what? Open mic for you, Razor. I don't remember shit from MK versus DCU, and I'm gonna let you take the floor. I mean, that's pretty do. much it. That's really all I have to say. Like he had a nice costume. That's all yeah. No, that was that oh, wait, was wait, wait, eight. wait. Yes, I do have something to contribute from KDC. Okay. The fucking clown fatality. Yeah. That's where this started. Yeah. Why? Fucking, which is an, an MK9 thing, really, because when Joker did it, it made sense. But they really, it's, they just went like, well, we they, have a they character just... who shapeshifts, and we're, we have such a boner for this finisher, and the fact that they made us censor it, and we want to show the non-censored version so fucking much. What the it really worth it? kind of developer vanity is this? It was... A stupid, I mean, stupid, pointless, idiotic choice on behalf I of the do, developers. I do want to remind you that these are the same developers who created MoCap and the Toasty Guy. Alright, I'm going to say this right now. A Toasty Guy, a little 16-bit dude in the lower right-hand corner of your screen, popping up to say something funny as an in-joke, is cool when it's like 12 of you developing a video game and it's 1994 and you just want to fuck around a bit and have a little bit of fun. And your hurt feelings over censorship need to be put aside in service of the greater good. Let that shit go. I do think I, it's also worth, in this context, bringing up the fact that Shang didn't have a soul steel finisher in that game. There is he no reason version, for this. He had a version of the, the inhale, the MK2, go in their ear, kill him, and he had the fucking clown thing. He didn't have a... He had a soul steal as a move. He didn't have a soul steal fatality. Because let's not fuck around. A fatality for a character is... In Mortal Kombat, is an extension of the personality of that character. At the very least, I think. They've always been... Extensions almost... of the way you look at that person and their personality, what they are, what they're capable of, what they can do. And if you're going to take a part of that and recycle it with a generic clown face to show what you want to show, fuck you. You missed the opportunity. Do something else. Do something better. I don't want to sling shit in your eyes, but it was a bad decision. And it happens. Move on. I, I generally agree. I fucking hate the clown finisher. But but in general, so MK9 did sort of realize Shang's moves in 3D for the first time in a way that didn't yes. suck. Yes. Like, we got the morph back. It's a limited form, but I still appreciate it for what it is. They remembered. I, I, I appreciate that. For a game with loading on a disc... This is the best you can do. It's still great that it's there in any form at all. The He also had skulls in every possible fucking direction, and they were actual skulls, not just balls of fire. This is 
yeah. I do miss the scream. Like, they didn't really have the sound effect that they should have. They stopped being terrifying after MK1. I'm going to be honest about that. Like, there was a stock still... screaming sound effect, but it was never truly disturbing as it was in MK1 after that. I, I still like the effort, at least in the visuals yeah. in MK2 and 3, that they are skulls. I just... It's it. They need the scream back. That's all. It's just. It's almost like a nitpick, but it is kind of part of it. Like it's sort of whole. To be very fair to them, from a competitive standpoint, Shang did become a bit more viable gameplay wise with MK9. Shang is actually pretty. He, he's all right. Yeah. I don't. I'm not really up to like who's top tier or whatnot in MK9 these days, but. I don't remember Shang outright sucking. I remember people discussing him as viable, and that really made me smile. I know I've I've very recently seen somebody make a Shang MK9 combo video, which feels like somebody got like it's that game is not like played anymore, and somebody's still going, "Look how cool Shang was in that game." Dude, people <laughs> are still making third strike combo videos. This does not surprise me. That's a beautiful thing to my mind. Yeah. I'm just. To, like, 15-year-old me dwelling inside the cockles of my own heart. Shang Tsung combo videos independent of morphs are still an amazing thing. They were using the morph like he was fighting a Johnny Cage and he was okay. using Johnny Cage, so... But it was cool. It's, it was... In, still, morphs now aren't morphs what they used to be. Like, you're restricted to your opponent and that's pretty much it, but... Yeah. Nevertheless. It was, it was kind of neat that when you fought him as a boss, he could morph into, like, three people. It was something. But so, but design-wise, hmm. like, we've already talked about, it bothers me that the old man version of Shang now wears a fucking red coat. That red has become so much of his color scheme. And as a bigger point of problem, the snakes motif. His, it started being smeared all over everything. Yeah, his, his young man costume... The snake shoulder pads, which don't even look like snakes, really. They're just kind of these weird arrowhead shapes with snake tongues coming off them. So garish and weird. <laughs> it kind of looks like a He-Man sub-boss, to be quite frank about things. It's... Yeah, it's he's, he's downright cartoonish. The snake fangs on the boots. This is... <laughs> yeah. This is more of an example of whoever was doing the designing for, like, Scorpion and, like, their MK, his MK9 cancer effort, as you like to call it. Yes, the, uh... MK9 had a problem with over-designing. Over-designing. So, there's I don't... too much fucking detail. Just because just cause the graphics are high-res doesn't mean you need to use them. For, it's... Like, I don't need to see, like, the dirt under the guy's fingernails, man. Just fucking pull it back. The essentials of the costume are there, but it's just a tad too over-designed. Like, I don't I don't need it to be Superman, but it damn sure better not be New 52 Superman. <laughs> There's a middle ground there where shit looks good. So, I guess the time is ripe for us to now truly discuss MK9 Shang story mode. Yeah. Which is... Which, like I said, starts out okay-ish. Like, the best part of that story mode is when it resembles canon MK1. And he does resemble his MK1 self up to a point. And then I we think... start MK3. 
yeah, that's really the issue because that's when, well, it it sort of creeps in before that because, you know, you're you're watching the MK1 tournament parts of it, and for some reason Quan Chi has been invited and he's standing next to mm-hmm. Shang's throne. Like, blah 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 blah. Deadly Alliance. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, no, I get it, but fucking, he wasn't. He, this tournament is between Earth Realm and Outworld. Why is a Neither Realm guy even there? Ugh. Made no sense. Just none. I said neither again. You did. <laughs> I let it slide, but if you're going to bring it up, back Yeah, I caught myself. Bad. It's. No, you know like, what? seriously. It was. That was when I started wondering what the hell they were doing. Like, why yeah. is Quan Chi here? What's, then what's it going on? And in the second tournament, Quan Chi is standing next to Shao Kahn like he should be there. Who invited you? You're not even in the tournament. Like, Quan Chi doesn't fight anywhere during MK1 or MK2 except for a a fucking endurance round match once in each tournament. That's not how brackets work. (laughs) Now, even up to this point, I was saying to myself, okay, fine, whatever. They want to retroactively insert one of their more successful characters back into the canon, fine. I can deal with that. And I could. I really could. And then we get to MK3. Yeah, and it's it's off right from the start, because we're seeing... Shao Kahn has just lost the tournament, the second one. Yeah. And he's wounded and sitting in his throne room being all pissed about it, and Quan Chi goes, hey, why don't we just res your wife? And here's where I start to have the problems. Because in the old timeline, he now, came up with the idea to res his... Shang came up with that idea, yeah. and it happened this ten is... fucking years ago. It, it does. <laughs> it was Shang's idea. It was Shang's team of shadow priests. And this matters to Shang's character because this is a guy who has lost the tournament. Yeah, this was the one this reason is... he was being kept alive. This is the guy whose tournament, whose who subsequent tournament idea to have them come to Outworld to fight Shao Kahn led to Shao Kahn getting his ass kicked. This, this idea, this premise of cheating by using Sindel to by proxy allow Shao Kahn to come into the Earth Realm to get what's rightfully his. Rightfully, quote unquote. This was Shang Tsung's last fucking chance. This matters to Shang Tsung's character. And and it matters to the story in general, the fact that they came up with this years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been planning this for a long time. Just like, in MK2, case. Yeah, so, so when they hold MK2, they're really going, mostly the only reason we're doing this is distract Raiden, so he doesn't notice that we're resing your wife in Earthrealm. But if we do happen to win this tournament, all the better. <laughs> so all of this because is an like, idea that's now been given to, Sh- to Quan Chi on the spur of the moment. Like, it apparently. plays into the plot of mythologies that Sindel was a plan they came up with a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't work right if he's coming up with it on the spot after MK2. There there are mo- many, like, Tobias weaved things together 
Like, the, the, the plot of Trilogy is kind of a spider web, where if you cut threads here, they kind of pull the, pull the web off the wall on the other side. It's, it's all very tangled. And they had to and make they're up, just they're like... just taking fucking a hacksaw to things because they don't know. Because Sin... they didn't do their fucking research. Sindel's ward blobbity blobbity blob. And and the other it thing was, is like... it was as simple enough as she's a trump card. If we put her soul on Earthrealm, then you have the right to go get her. No. Simple as that. Yeah, and they Why... had to go They had to go overcomplicated. No, Sindel is a hero. She committed suicide to power a spell that would keep Khan off Earthrealm. Because I just, the other gods wouldn't do it. There's like five paragraphs of unnecessary shit that are there to outline the simplest of details. Simplest. And it, we put it, her it soul ruins, here to cheat. Fine. It ruins character motivations. Not only, like, Sindel killed herself because she's a tragic character. Now she killed herself because she's a heroic character? It just fuck off with that, you know. Then I don't even. Then it's like, Quan Chi can just walk into the desert, and it'll take him twenty seconds to bring her back to life, as opposed to resurrection is hard. It's gonna take us ten years. This is where I think favoritism kind of comes into play because we know that they like Quan Chi, and I don't know and what the deal is, man. Fair, to be fair, in the original version, Quan was involved. Yeah, but Shang needed only, his help to actually do it. Involved, Quan was only involved as a messenger. What really happened was that Sindel's soul was given to Shinnok. Quan Chi made mm -hmm. the deal. Sindel's soul was given to Shinnok to change Netherrealm evil. And that's why she's a bad guy in MK3. That's how the mind control spell works. She it's... was tainted with Netherrealm evil and then given back to Shang and his shadow priests so they could do the resing. Folks, you need to read the MK Mythologies booklet. It's that simple. It's... It's ten pages of paragraphs, but there's so much shit that goes on in those ten pages of paragraphs. It's, the it's unskippable. It's of the Mortal Kombat storyline. And they just didn't read any of it when they made MK9, so all of that's wrong now. <laughs> Unfortunate. See, that's just one step on the path. Because now there's that... a lot that's wrong with MK9 story mode and overcomplicating things that don't need to be complicated. Well, I'm talking specifically about Quan Chi stealing moments from Shang. That's just the first thing. The Please, second thing, I'm not going to stop you. It's, it's a fucking domino effect because now that Shang has nothing to do with that. There's no reason for Khan to keep him alive, which, which... is why he dies in this story mode. And then yeah, he Quan Chi in this universe, and then Quan Chi in this universe, because we don't need Shang anymore, can steal stoles and makes a fucking soul NATO. He's like in MK3. There are these. There's the fucking attract mode is full of like screens that tell the story of MK3. Not a single one of those screens happens in MK9. And the most important one is the part where as soon as the invasion starts, Shao Kahn steals the souls of everyone on Earth. And the only reason that the heroes survive to fight back is because Raiden and Nightwolf protect them with magic. But in MK9, we only see the start of that, like, and it's Quan Chi doing it, not Shao Kahn. 
And it's like, why? Why? If they tried to tell us... I could only watch the rest of it in horror. They tried to tell us that MK9 is the same timeline as the old games. That, no, you know, we no saw flashes you. of Deadly Alliance in Raiden's memory visions. But if Quan Chi can steal souls, Deadly Alliance would never have happened. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking blatantly stupid. Folks, this is part two in our series of MK9 Fucked Everything Up podcasts. You're going to be hearing a lot more about these plot angles and their failure to understand yeah. what it was about the original now, games that made these angles work. When it, whenever I bring this up, inevitably somebody on whatever message board I'm having the conversation of or in the comments of the YouTube videos where I mention this moment, somebody goes, Quan Chi made that Solnado because Quan Chi could make Solnados in Deadly Alliance. And I go, that's not how it worked. Let me be clear. In Deadly Alliance, Quan Chi does not make the Soulmado. Quan Chi opens a portal to heaven. And then Shang drinks from it like a gigantic box of Capri Sun. Exactly. In MK9, Quan Chi goes to a graveyard and sacrifices a bunch of soldiers to steal their souls in order to create a Soulmado. And this Soulmado goes into a portal in the sky that leads to Shao Kahn. It has nothing to do with heaven or hell. There, there's no afterlife involved in this. He's just stealing mortal souls, taking them out of their bodies. Which he should not arguably tornado. even be able to do because that's Shang's shtick. Exactly. Quan Chi cannot remove souls from living people. The moral of the story, folks is that MK9, for purposes of plot convenience, took all the things that Shang Tsung specialized in, and they gave them to Quan Chi for purposes of And then they said, now we don't need Shang anymore, let's kill him. And I paused the controller, and I walked off, and I got a drink. And I just, I, I, I shit you not, like, next to the, the purpose of the tournament being invalidated... That was the point in MK9 story where I went, the fuck are they actually doing? This actually ranks over, like, the Cyber Sub-Zero moment for me. It's the part that actually made me wonder if they gave a shit about what they were talking about anymore. People say that, like, oh, Shang Tsung didn't actually have it all that bad in subsequent games, but I, I to this day I maintain MK9 shat on no character barring Raiden's writing. Than it did Shang Tsung. There, like, are, there are actually three moments in MK9 story mode, and they all happen during the MK3 part that make me that yeah. sort of broke me as a fan. Like I couldn't. I I, I, th I, couldn't. I think we're coming from the same place more or less. More or less. Quan making a soul NATO was one of those points. Well, so so if I was ordering them in in terms of intensity. Cyber Sub is the is the least of the three. <laughs> Same. Quan making a Solnado is next in line, and the worst moment in MK9 story is when Raiden tries to sell his friends to the Nether Realm. Thank you. I think for me, Raiden trying to sell his friends is number one. 
Number two is, but you see, the tournament didn't actually do anything. Yeah, that's that's like number four on my list. That's number two I'm for like me. That's number two. Trying to pretend that it doesn't happen. <laughs> it, number three I is, just... number three is, I don't need you anymore, Shang. Nom 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 nom. And number four is, no, we can't help Sub Zero right now. But there are five of us. We can't help him right now because of reasons. Mm, Shao Kahn won't like it, but your job is to enforce the rules of the tournament. <laughs> He's having a match right now. Folks, He's MK... on our side in that match. Right... He's about to win one for Earthrealm. <laughs> Folks, MK9's fucking stupid. So, it's so stupid. Um, do we have anything further to say about Shang Tsung? Because I think we've already covered the abuse. Well, obviously, all that all that sort of left is there's a huge amount of fan demand to see him come back in eleven. MKX Ermac, he like finds a speck of dust that has somehow maintained the ver the very bare minimum of Shang's essence, which has been hidden away in this since the period of MK Nine. Yeah, it's like it's somewhere in Shao Kahn's abandoned castle. Yeah, and. I forget how exactly he comes back into prominence, but this is theoretically going forward the explanation for Shang yeah. coming back. Ermac Ur Ur is walking around in the old castle, and he feels a presence, and he starts following it, and it's this little speck of energy that suddenly steals all of Ermac's souls and turns into Shang Tsung, brings himself there you back. Go. That was it. He eats Ermac then... the same way that, that Sindel kind of basically ate him. There's also... They don't explicitly say it's Shang, but it kind of has to be in Melina's ending, where after Devorah kills her, she wakes up in the body of one of an entire army of Melina yep. clones in the flesh pits. And who else would make those? Quan Chi? Maybe. No, hopefully not. <laughs> no, it's definitely Shang. And honestly, like I don't, I I don't expect Melina to come back because I think they're trying to actually do a dead is dead thing right now. They they, they won't stick to it, but they they gave her a lot yeah. of time. Yeah, they're 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 putting characters on the bench for longer than they usually do when they kill them off. But I would love to see Shang actually have an army of Melinas in MK11. To be really fair and blunt about it, after like the last seven or six years of MK time, I'd love to see Shang do anything to redeem himself after that horrible, horrible display in nine. Yeah, I think I that's, think I I think that's a big part of the reason people want him back so bad is because we we're pretty sure Quan Chi won't be in the next game. So he'll finally get a chance to be cool and not have Baldy McAsshole steal all his fucking screen time. <laughs> That's my new name for him. Baldy McAsshole. Cut. Print. It, it should be really obvious at this point in time that the first half of tonight's episode has been really, really positive and very nostalgic memories of what we love about the character. And now we're getting into horror shit show going down, down the tubes. And I miss loving Shang Tsung as a character and seeing him rock shit and being big important part of the main roster and i think that he he could even do that with quan chi or shao khan present and it's just kind of a shame that's not happened in a long time yeah no there's there's nothing about quan chi that means shang can't be cool it's just they're fucking idiots they have specializations 
<laughs> Shang's the soul transplant guy and the mover of the shaker of human essences, and Quan Chi is the necromancer who deals in, like, portals and the afterlife and shit like that. Just let each of them have their own speciality, and that's, that's have, not hard. We have seen times, we have seen times where they're both in the same thing, and it's cool. Mm-hmm. We just didn't... We haven't gotten that in, um... A long time. 16 years? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Alright, so... That's about all there is for Shang Tsung and Alex outside of extraneous media, which I don't think is worth of, worth going over. We should answer a few questions, not too many. I mean, I, I, will say, I will say that in Conquest, Bruce Locke is almost as definitive a Shang as Carrie Tagawa. He spends 98% of it sitting on a rock in prison and scheming, but and, he was and one of the more memorable this performances. weird relationship with that Vorpax chick where sometimes she's trying to seduce him, and then sometimes he's trying to force himself on her and she's not into it, and it's like, your motivation changes episode to episode, bitch. Make up your mind. He was very... <laughs> it was a very sexual relationship. Thoroughly. Oh, that that show was a very sexual show. Like, they insisted on being almost Skinamax porn. <laughs> Every episode. Fucking somebody was getting laid. Man, there really were reasons why Noob Saibot was made of oil, weren't there? Thinking about it, though. I've, I've, I've got to get, like, get over my fear and rewatch all the episodes one of these days. Cause I'm, just, I'm, I'm afraid of it not aging well. I'm terrified. It's, it's going to be terrible. I know it. Oh, it'll... I think what we need to do is watch Legacy first <laughs> so that you see the absolute worst it can be. Okay, before we watch Legacy, before we watch Conquest, we have to get to, like, MK Deception Conquest first and foremost. You want to make... do an episode about, like, a 24 seven hour rpg <laughs> i think we can like skip all of the optional characters and side quests except for honorable mentions and just make it a two hour three hour thing i think we can do it i mean if you if you can capture footage and figure out which stuff is people have been asking for it for quite some time so i think that it's something that we should do give the people i mean we should i'm just it's a lot of work to like record a whole playthrough and then like cut out the stuff that's extraneous i'll try to figure something out i've i've been through conquest enough times i think i can probably do a point a to point b playthrough just imagine kintaro showing up and asking for, and giving you a thousand dollars here or there and you'll have the gist of it <laughs> so let's finish this off by answering a couple of questions now okay number one horseplay I was talking with some with some Tarkatan grunts after clearing Melina's trials in MKD, and one of them said that Melina is as beautiful as she is deadly. One day I will make her my woman. I know that the commonly accepted idea is that Melina dresses scantily in order to deter her from her busted face, even ignoring that Shao Kahn's army has a strict dress code of loincloths and leather straps. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't it make more sense that Melina struts around in near nothingness as both propaganda material and a morale booster for the Tarkatan soldiers under Shao Kahn's rule? Especially since she's daddy's spoiled little princess in the new timeline, so Melina should have nothing to feel ashamed about. I think we've forgotten that Melina was conceptualized back when the entire population of Outworld was supposed to be Tarkatans, Shao included, and that element is lost in her character. TLDR, do you think that Baraka jerks off to that Playboy pinup? Okay, so the first. <laughs> yes, I do think that. Yes, yeah, so do I. But the larger question, 
Okay, so first of all, you have to think Tarkatans are not something to... How do I want to word this? <laughs> if you were a lady and the only people attracted to you were the Barakas, would you be proud of that? <laughs> would you want to encourage it? See, I don't think it's about titillating the males, so to speak. It's about the pleasure that comes with the intellectual stimulation of replacing your horrible sister who you've been basically trained to be better than. To yeah, be. see, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the other thing, the weird thing he, he said in that question, is that Shao Kahn would encourage her to dress skimpy around the Barakas as propaganda for the army. If you're an emperor... Do you want the do you want the grunts to like lust for your daughter? I don't think so, no. Question number two. Django. I was talking with my circa 96 MK action figures box lore. Okay. And they said Melina and Katana are basic mask-wearing assassin bitches, and without Melina's gank base, they're different characters in both origins only. Then I asked my MK9 strategy guide mail order moveset cards, and they said Melina is just Shao Kahn's MK2 era construct following Ermac. They both have the fucked face issues that run in the family. Shao Kahn made the correct Melina he actually wanted to with his new MK3 era construct Scarlet. Melina didn't finish in the oven though, so she's partially retired. This is why Melina doesn't get to wear the color of her successfully made siblings, which is red. So my question is, what are your thoughts on how I get my MK cardstock lore to shut the hell up? Django, I... I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> I think that this entire past five minutes is getting edited out of the current question session, is what I think. I'm, I'm good with that, because I don't know what schizophrenia meds, like, by brand name, to recommend them to him. <laughs> oh my god, we've spent five minutes determining whether or not Melina is a sex object. The answer is... If the plot demands it for the viewer's perspective, yes. In terms of lore, no. Not really. But she dresses scantily and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, just to have my official thoughts on the record for the millionth time, I maintain that you want the character to be sympathetic to the audience. Therefore, it only makes sense to portray her as someone who doesn't like her face. She dresses skimpy so that you'll look at the part of her body that didn't come out fucked up. It's compensation. It's not about her wanting to get laid. If you're reading into fact, that, it's about you needing to get laid. The fact that Tarkatans look at her as the prettiest Tarkatan should be a source of embarrassment for her <laughs> because she's not a Tarkatan. Like, Tarkatans are gross. It's like being born with, like, kind of an ugly face and finding out that dogs think you're hot. That's, you're not going to be suddenly develop bestiality. This is just more painful by the second. Okay, so. <laughs> Adam Wilson asks, will you guys do a deep discussion on MK Deception's Conquest mode this year? I have been waiting patiently a while now, fellas. Lol. Love you guys. DJ Timmy G says, that's a good question. Are you guys abandoning that episode? Adam we replies, not, I won't let them abandon it. Lol. We, we are, are not, not abandoning, abandoning that episode. It's and really just... This, 
it's two episodes because yeah. there's a there's a conquest playthrough to be done, but there's also what we were going to do that we put on the back burner was actually just a character episode about Shujinko. Mm -hmm. And the Shujinko episode is waiting until I have the free time to do a loss that has pictures in it. That's really what it's all about. So it has to be done during, like, when I'm not in a school semester. I feel like such a thing could only possibly come on the heels of a proper Conquest playthrough, personally. So Which you, I have like no problems doing. Play. We could do the Let's Play first. Okay. So, the short answer to that There's question is it has not been forgotten. I want to say this year, yes. Would be nice. Cross your fingers. We just we just can't do it while I'm in fucking college because I have to write these 10-page reports all the goddamn time I'm an English major. <laughs> it's in a the lot meantime, of work. We have 70-something Mortal Kombat characters to go through for retrospectives. Please enjoy it. Now, one of these days, I'm going to drop a Conquest playthrough on your all. On your asses. I'd like the Shujinko retrospective to come in right after that. Will it? We'll see. It has not been forgotten. Now, there's a lot of questions about the Conquest TV show. I, it's a thing. I think... So I like the show, kind it's, of. It's of its time. I enjoyed it when it was out, and I was tremendously disappointed when it got cancelled. Would I want to see it picked up again today, for some reason, twenty no, 19 years later? No, I don't... I would not. So I don't encourage any MK media being made right now at all like i don't think there should be a movie or a tv show it's not the right time for video game adaptation we we live in a time and a place where whenever a larger form of media typically shows up things kind of fall into place to become tie-in media to that yeah and i don't i think that we're better off without the hassle and we should just let the games tell their own story we're also we're also in one of those phases where whenever people want to make stuff, they want to make it gritty and realistic, and it's just fucking gross. I am so not into that that whole aesthetic. That M M MK should not be realistic. It should be big, gory, and stupid. We need to wait stupid. for a decade. We need to wait for a decade where tastes are different, and then they can make TV shows again. In Melina's Armageddon bio, continues Red Viper. She says, I had planned to continue my charade until the Edenian forces should be, can be corrupted enough to allow to follow me as Melina, the true conqueror of Outworld. I think it's interesting this became true in the new timeline. Johnny versus Shinnok was also introduced in this game, yes. Are there any bits of Armageddon lore that you want to see revisited in the future? A.K.A. the Huan, Ashra's Chord, Datusha, are some examples that come to mind. Um... I mean, we've already several members of the Nethercast have said they'd like to see Ashra come back, and of we all you can't her, have her without her sword. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the sword without Ashra, like to see maybe Serena have it briefly, and okay. then decide that she doesn't want it because it makes you crazy. <laughs> In particular, I'll say this: if they were ever to folk to refocus on the notion that. Sub-Zero is trying to hunt down and save Smoke and or Noob Saibot. 
I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that happen again back in the Lin Kuei Temple. There's also the aspects of the Tekunin warship, which I was really pleasantly surprised in Armageddon to see get a lot of focus on and explore as kind of its own dungeon with its own background. It wasn't an MK Armageddon creation because the Tekunin got uh, introduced with uh, the Game Boy Advance. But it was yeah. cool as fuck to me to actually see it get a lot of exposure and to have Sector be kind of a sub-main villain in Armageddon. Yeah, see, so, I really like the Tekunin. Yeah, I, I me am, too. I hope, I hope tr some variation of Triborg's ending is true and the Tekunin are in MK11. I feel like I would prefer I would prefer Sector to be the character that represents same, them. Same. Because I've said multiple times you can't actually have Triborg in a game and other Cyber Ninjas in the same game, it doesn't work. You either have him or you have Sector or Cyrex or Smoke or Cyber Sub. Like he can't coexist with anyone because his deal is that he has everybody's moves. TLDR, you show me a bunch of red cyber ninja generics running around, and I'm more than fucking happy. Worship or no worship. Yeah. I just want the Tekunin I, I, to come back. So I'd like the Tekunin back. I'd like Ashra or just Ashra's sword to come back. I'd like the Kamidogus in a game. I didn't necessarily like the way the comic handled them. Uh, obviously, I would like to see Onaga again. Um, uh, the red dragons in general. Uh... Honestly, I think I think there's an opportunity uh, in this timeline because I was a little disappointed in Deception that when Raiden blew up, he destroyed the Mummy Army, which sort of made the entire plot of Deadly Alliance pointless. I would like to see somebody actually get to use the Mummy Army in a game, and and if that somebody was Onaga himself, all the better. It did kind of go to waste. Yeah. Nightwolf. Nightwolf kind of got kind of wound up in hell with Onaga's soul in prison there for a little while, didn't he? Yeah, there if was there actually the idea there of like Nightwolf because Nightwolf can't go to hell normally because he's too good and only evil people can exist there. He had to absorb the sins from everyone in his tribe. There was sort of they they sort of paid um, lip service to the idea that when he did that, it affected his personality. Like, while he was carrying those sins, he was a, he was that kind of person, like a bad person. I would have liked to see that. And then to see him, like, release those sins to bind Onaga to the Netherrealmer. However, you would re redo that for the new timeline where it's different. But If they want I to like... somehow introduce the detail of him being a quote-unquote sin-eater... And let him escape yeah. from hell that way and undo a in massive fact, fuck up from MK9. I would not yeah, say no fact, to that. Now that he's a revenant, if he has, if he knows the spells to purge sin from his body, shouldn't there's, he be able to yeah. just turn himself back into a regular person and maybe even cure the other revenants? Fix that shit, yo. Like Nightwolf should have that knowledge. Should. <laughs> Can we get the audio commentary for the entire Horrible Legacy series, Season 1 and 2? I'm ready to laugh my ass off. <laughs> I don't wanna. I'm, I'm for it. I, I don't wanna. Yeah, Shad is in no hurry to subject himself to things that will cause him pain. I want to remember the I enjoy Shad and Frog. <laughs> we'll talk about it. If Shang was once a warrior of Earthrealm, 
Would that mean he was once an ally of Raiden before the 10th tournament? Not especially. Well, I have... So, in... The way it happened in the Conquest TV show, which is actually... We didn't really get a chance to talk about this, but it's where most of Shang's current canon backstory was actually first introduced. Okay. Which I don't think... I don't think it's that they took it from the show. I think it's that Tobias had it written down... And he never really got a chance to say it. So he gave them crib notes. And yeah, Threshold always had Tobias's notes, and that's what they wrote stuff from. But but basically the way it happens in the show is that Shang is training for the tournament like a thousand years ago. And he's training with this uh Master Cho guy, who's not Bo Rai Cho, they just have the same name. And Master Cho knows how to steal souls. And Shang wants to learn it so that he can live forever. And Master Cho doesn't use soul stealing because it's evil. So he's like, no, I'm not going to teach you how to use this. So so Shang goes to the tournament and he fights for Earthrealm. But he cheats at the tournament. So Shao Kahn disqualifies him and Outworld wins that tournament. But after Shao Kahn go, he recognizes that Shang is clearly evil. And he's like, why don't you fight for me? You know, you're a good fighter, and I can teach you to steal souls. And that's basically Shang's origin in the games, too. Except the games didn't go into that much detail, and we don't know who his master was. And we can't really say that whether he won or lost his first tournament for Earth, or if he switched sides before he actually fought in the tournament. I like the idea of him fighting for Earth, and cheating, and costing Earth a victory. That's before bit, he turns. That's a bit more involved than I'm willing to invest or investigate because like we said much earlier, I'm still a, I'm still a fan of like the whole Jeff Rovin novel where he was kind of a tax man and he just kind of like wound up selling his soul <laughs> at some point. I know that's not canon. But no, just I the, I mean he has the to, notion he has of him to... selling like wandering off to learn magic and sell his and selling his soul to Shao Kahn in the process. There's a lot there that appeals to me. I don't know if I'd overcomplicate that with notions of him fighting for Raiden beforehand. No, I, I, I do, I do like the idea that he was actually trained by Raiden and Bo Raicho and turned on them because he got a better offer. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Because it just sort of makes things more personal for Bo Raicho, particularly. I guess because it was to hurt for like... Bo Raicho's sake, but. I like anything that gives Bo Raicho more reason to be the way he is. Like, I want I want to know why he drinks so much, for one thing, you know? <laughs> he's not doing it because he's sad, he's doing it because he's happy. See, I don't like this jolly Santa Claus bullshit he has going on. <laughs> Alcohol! I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> Razor, take it from one who knows. I don't need to be a simple symptom of depression. Uh, well, it's the reason I drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you've already got Shang wrapped up in like Kenshi's story, and he's Liu Kang's arch nemesis. I can you understand know, I just, the need the to like, is, like tie him out a little bit Bo more. But I don't, has been, I don't always see it. If Shao, if Shang Tsung has been fighting in Mortal Kombat's for since his origin story, and Bo Rai Cho has been training fighters for Earthrealm for as long as there's been a Mortal Kombat then it just makes sense for Shang to have been one of Bo's students. Maybe. I wouldn't say no to that, but, like, 
that's the kind of detail that that I'd expect to see in a bio somewhere to not have any relevance upon the actual plot. Yeah, no, it it, it wouldn't it wouldn't really apply in a modern game, but I just I like the backstory flavor stuff. No, that's fair. So, uh, that said, we've uh, I think covered Shang Tsung for the most part, front to back, yes, up to this, down. This will be a fairly lengthy episode, so I think that's enough for now. Yes, we've clearly both of us had a lot to say on the on the matter. We <laughs> we love the character, we fairly. Yeah. Yellow spandex and all. We are we are both Shang fans, so. So you got a favorite uh, fatality or what? What's the deal? Uh, the MK2 Soul Steel. MK2 Soul Steel. And and honestly, I'd like to complain about 3D era and modern era Soul Steels not withering the body. Yeah, it's kind of a trademark of the character where he sucks the essence out of someone and they just sort of become green and shriveled up and yeah, they've lost that. There's like time. a little bit of a. There's a little bit of a lip service version of it now where, like, the skin goes gray when he does it it's as a close, special move, but... and then it sort of returns to its normal color. But without that fucking gross, rotted green body, it's just... How are you to know? How are you to know? <laughs> like, that's Come what on. made it look cool. That's what yep. made it interesting. Exactly. I'm not. I don't care so much about him pulling green energy into his hand. I want to see the body rot. I mean, even in the MK 1995 movie, he sucks like I don't know the organ skin <laughs> off of a guy's chest, and there and are he's all withered and gray. Versions of the soul steel like, in the movie. It made no sense, but you knew the guy. You know he ate his soul. Yeah. The, the the essence of what was going on was communicated. Just give us a shriveled up husk for a body and we're okay. That's all we're asking. Just, so for me... The, the gooey green corpse looks cool. That's, it does. I, that's what I want. I actually, to this day, have a really hard time choosing between any of his MK3 fatalities. Because on the one, the Soul Steel really just looks badass. It's wonderful. Number two, the notion of him entering someone's inner ear and blowing them up from the inside out is just fucking cool. And I've always loved that. And number three... <laughs> There was something eminently satisfying about holding down low punch for 30 seconds, <laughs> restricting yourself from being able to use any kind of morphs or most special moves, or I mean, anything at all. Anything. If I'm remembering yeah, no right, if you held down low punch, if you held down low punch for 30 seconds, you are, you are restricted to basic maneuvers and no low punches. But your reward is Kintaro Smash. So there's just so many levels of wonderful there. I have a hard time choosing. I really do. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't tell you. It's all wonderful to me. Fuck it. MK1 unused decapitated sword. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. Alright, folks. It's been a wonderful session. We will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for Tester Mike for hosting us. Thanks to Cyborg and Temp for bearing with us. And thanks to you for listening to us. Absolutely. I mean, if you've stuck out this long, as long as this episode is, you, uh, I love you. <laughs> we are your ever-willing servants. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Flawless victory.